Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Hope you had a great weekend and welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for another week here on WST. What's up? Andrew Patterson and Michael Remus with you. Got a real fun show today. Obviously, had a big, big bomber win in front of an incredible crowd on Friday night. We're going to get into that in a minute. We'll also discuss it with Jeff Hamilton, as well as a pretty wild weekend in the Canadian Football League. And of course, Winnipeg Jet Development Camp ended on Saturday. Jamie Thomas from Jets TV and 680 CGOB Jets Radio is going to jump on to uh, give his thoughts on uh, everything that happened down at the Hockey for All Center over the course of the last few days um, and his impressions of uh, some of the young men that he got a chance to work and deal with quite uh, quite well and obviously made big impressions on Winnipeg Jet fans that made the trip out to the Hockey for All Center coming up last week. And another big win by the Sea Bears, who are coming back home for a homestand beginning tomorrow night at Canada Life Center. The beast from River East, Chad Posthumus, will uh, pop on the program in the second hour of the show, getting ready for a big week for the Winnipeg Sea Bears. Of course, we've got some big Canada soccer news, which we're going to get to, and a real unfortunate result for Desiree Scott, who uh, just has not been able to rehab her knee far enough to come back and represent Canada at the Women's World Cup starting in a couple weeks in Australia. And a uh, heartbreaking loss, but a very impressive performance by Canada's men's national team in the Gold Cup against Team USA yesterday. So we will get to all of that. Nice win for the Gold Eyes yesterday. And by the way, for podcast listeners, uh, if you did not catch um, this announcement last week, we're doing a big gold eye night, and the response has been awesome from Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners and viewers so far. The date is Ju- July 26th. It is a Wednesday. Um, pretty much already, we're going to need more tickets, basically, which is a very, very good sign. People are fired up to get together with the WST crew and, of course, have a great evening at the ballpark. Here's what you need to know, though. If you're listening on the audio podcast, get on over to winnipegsportstalk.com. Click on the store link and you can order your tickets there. We'll be sending all the tickets out uh, probably the Monday of the week of the game. Uh, but you get a confirmation. However many seats you want, they're 15 bucks all in. And we'll have a Winnipeg Sports Talk koozie for everyone while supplies last. And some great prizes from the Gold Eyes as well that will be given out to Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners. So uh, there you go, folks. If you haven't already, get your tickets before they are gone. Really looking forward to that. Just before we bring in Remus, big shout out to uh, the fans and the, uh, of course, everyone that's with us here in the chat and all of the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Princess Auto, big night at the uh, ballpark and the, uh, of course, the Princess Auto tailgate zone with that mechanical bowl before the game on Friday night. Our friends at Coolbet. Uh, Modern Man Barbershop, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, Nick and Nikki DQ, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace and Vita Health, Fresh Market, uh, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, busy weekend for our Little Brown Jug gang out at the Folk Fest, Aikens Lake, Breezy Bend, Assiniboia Downs, and the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, who are having their golf tournament today, but uh, we'll uh, be back at home tomorrow throughout the rest of the week. Great week to head out and catch the fish down at Shaw Park. Um, Good evening or good afternoon, I guess, to everyone in chat. And good afternoon to you, Michael Remus. How was your weekend? 
Yeah, it was great. Started off really nice with the uh, bomber game there, Huss. Uh, got a bit dicey with the start. Uh, Diedrich Mills ran all over them in the first quarter, but really uh, they didn't give up much after that. So that was a nice start. So I'm like, it wasn't crazy weather, but it was nice. Went out to the beach, so that was pretty good. And took it easy yesterday. So that was my weekend. Some decent CFL games. Jets development camp as well, wrapping up. Huge, I think, positive for Jets fans. A lot of people taking it in, loving. You know, the big story wasn't anything on the ice, Hus, but just the interactions between uh, the players and the fans. I think that's, you know, it's the summer. It's kind of what it's about. So uh, I'm feeling good. I'm ready to get back at it. And, oh, yeah, we did. We had a trade to announce yesterday in the NHL, which we'll get to as well. So Yeah, a little but- Sunday night deal um, in the NHL. And yes, we will talk about that in uh, in just a minute. Yeah, and again, we won't spend much time on development camp right now, but Jamie Thomas is going to join us in about 20 minutes or so. And uh, listen, the takeaway from all this is they have some exciting young talent on the club and some young players that more so than maybe any Jets before. Um, and again, it's, I know it's a very different situation. There are different stages in their lives and their careers. Um, but absolutely embrace the the fans. and And for a team that... I think we'd all agree um, has had some, uh, you know, some issues organizationally, frankly, issues with some of the fans and specifically, um, you know, some of the top players to have all these, you know, young men for many of them, first rounders come out um, and just seemingly, you know, have so much fun um, embracing, interacting with the, uh, with the fans. It's a great thing moving forward for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, that being said, I don't think any, it's highly unlikely that any of them will be on the team. I guess someone could go and have a great camp and start the season with the roster, with the club. Um, but overall, looking ahead to the following season and seasons after that, uh, whether you're a fan of Rucker McGrory or Colby Barlow, Brad Lambert, just to name a few, um, some pretty, pretty exciting young players with uh, with this organization. So we'll get to that coming up. But yeah, let's get to the Bomber game right off the bat, Raymond. You, you called it. Calgary running all over the Bombers early on. And I'll be honest, I was walking around the stadium, talking to a few folks, and there was a uh, there was a concern that maybe age was catching up on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And there was a lot of concern about the Bomber offensive line. Well, I'll tell you what, they were down 11-1 to and then got back to being a team that has been the problem for the rest of the Canadian Football League uh, for the last number of seasons and they did it for the rest of the game. Terrorizing on a defensive side of the football, Jake Mayer, who basically had almost nothing going on offensively after uh, really um, establishing the run early on. And, uh, I mean, to me, the game sort of turned on that uh, incredible call by Buck Pierce that wheel wrote from Greg McRae late in the second half to tie the game at 11. But the second half, to me, was when the Bombers really flexed their muscles and got back to being that championship club that we've uh, been spoiled with over the last number of years. And I don't think there could have been any better way to finish off a divisional opponent in the fashion that the Bombers did with a nine-minute drive in the fourth quarter. Um, I'll just say this. Rumors of the demise of the Bomber offensive line greatly exaggerated and premature based on what we saw. And uh, it was very important for them to come back. I mean, we all remember the game against BC that I think shocked everyone 
BC's a hell of a football team. We saw them do a number on the Montreal Alouettes last night. But from a bomber perspective, um, they got back to basics. They got back to doing what, you know, where you really need to establish yourselves first. That's the line of the scrimmage, on the line of scrimmage. And man, um, that second half performance in particular was vintage bombers. And uh, the teams at four and one have got to be feeling pretty good about themselves going into Ottawa this weekend. Yeah, I think there's some talk about the defense, too, not being as good. Um, you know, giving up some big yardage to Trevor Harris and Vernon Adams. And I know, you know, the quarterbacks they've played the last two weeks, not maybe not on that level, but uh, Calgary putting up 11 and then zero the rest of the in the second half. I remember last year, the Bombers were so good in the fourth quarter and they really shut it down. And uh, against, you know, Montreal in the rain with Montreal only scored three points. So 14 points allowed by the Bombers in the last two games. Uh, pretty strong, Zach Claris. You know, it wasn't spectacular, but he made the plays. Touchdown passes to Greg McRae, Rasheed Bailey, uh, wide open as well on that one. I mean, what a big call bringing him back uh, with Kenny Lawler out, and he scored some big touchdowns this year. And Claris, you know, threw for only two thirty yards, but uh, no interceptions, which was big. He didn't have the turnovers, and the Bombers, when they needed a turnover late in the third quarter, it was Demario Houston uh, grabbing it. That was a big. That was a big, big play of the game. It's funny, I was trying to think, like, who, you know, I put in our, our threads, us, trying to get some engagement on the threads app. Uh, who do you give the game ball to? I think there's a lot of choices. You give it to Greg McRae, who had the huge return, 102 yards, and, or in a 68-yard oh, touchdown. I forget that play. Yeah, or do you give the it? Answer, the answer for me is yes, you give it to Greg well, what McRae. what about Brady Oliveira, who, you know, they know that you know, you're handing the ball off to him in that fourth quarter over and over again. They just rammed it down Calgary's throats to seal the game. That was incredible display of just, I don't know, man strength, football, like like real old-time football. What do you want me to say? Just how they ran it over and over again to seal the game. Or, oh, uh, or I don't know, you can give it to a number of guys. Uh, to Mary Houston or Adam Bakel playing after the death of his father, big emotional interview at the end of the game with him as well. I mean, number of guys you could give it to. Yeah, um... No, you're right though. That was uh, that was a big boy brand of football in the second half. I mean, it was there was no questions as to what was coming, and it was our guys going up against your guys. See if you can stop us. And the answer from the Calgary Stampeders was a resounding no, for the better part of that nine minute drive. And yeah, Brady, uh, you know Brady Oliveira, um, he's got a lot of. He brings a lot to the table, but man, that sort of play where you know, you're not necessarily looking for him to break a 15 or 20 yard run, but you need him to move the pile and to get a first down, to get four or five yards, to get a great, to, you know, to get positive yardage on first down and put them up in a reasonable um, second down and short situation. Um, they did that. And, and listen, we'll give a lot of credit to Brady, but as I said, the offensive line was a little bit maligned. I mean, considering what had happened two weeks ago against the BC Lions here, I thought they answered a lot of questions. But for me, it was Greg McRae. I mean, the play that he made, and it was just an absolute dime from Zach Caleros. And listen, if you had a Caleros overprop on passing, it was looking pretty good until the offensive line took over on that nine-minute drive, and he didn't have to pass the ball anymore. <laughs> um, but he just hit McRae with that Perfect, perfect pass. Great call by Buck Pierce. And it seemed like from that moment on, they uh, they didn't turn back. However, you brought up 
the 102-yard missed field goal return. Um, I thought Bob Irving did a great job on Twitter. There's some people, and Milt Stiegel said he didn't like the singles. Didn't like the Rouge. What? That play doesn't happen if the Rouge is not part of the equation. And um, just as far as being spectacular, I mean, him taking it out to the side, they weren't sure whether he was going to take it out. And the minute he saw just a little bit of daylight, pulled it out, they didn't give up the single point. And I don't think Mike O'Shea generally likes to give up those singles if they don't have to. Next thing you know, he is zigzagging through the Calgary Stampeders special teams unit and just about took it to the house. Um, but that was 102 yards of well-earned real estate by Greg McRae. And uh, I thought he was just a, a big, big impact and difference maker throughout the game. So uh, he, would get my, he would get my game ball. There's our why not question of the day for the chat right now. Um, brought to you by Not Autocorp overly at Waverly and McGilvery. Um, uh, Greg McRae's getting my game ball. Who's getting yours? Hit us up in the chat if you're listening on the podcast later. You can always tweet us at Sports Talk WPG. Yeah, and McRae was in returning that kick because Janarian Grant was hurt on a, what, like inside handoff play. He was down, carried off the field. Kind of, he walked on a zone. You, I mean, Jernian Grant, he's this little guy, Hus, but uh, he is a bowling ball that. You know, people try to tackle him. He's got stiff arms. He's breaking tackles. Uh, I I haven't seen anything about what, you know, what the long term status is for Janarian Grant. Maybe Jeff will have more information later. But Greg McRae, man, he came in and he looked good. And you know Carlton Agudusi, who I've joked is like a you know a poor man's Calvin Johnson. Just how tall he was. He had that huge game last year against Calgary. Uh, I think Greg McRae. It's kind of funny. You think you got the small guy in McRae and this giant in Agudosi, and it seems like McRae's overtaken him on the depth chart. Agudosi also problems uh, not staying healthy here, and I think part of a lot, big part of it is being able to stay on the field. And we'll have to wait and see what happens with Jerry and Graham. But I'm with you. I said last week I like the Rouge. Makes the game different. Forces you to return the ball. You're not just taking a knee for touchbacks. And look, yeah. Maybe it's kind of dumb. You miss a field goal and get a point, but that's what you get with the Rouge, and I'm here for it. I'm not, I'm anti, you know, sorry, I'm here for, I love the Rouge. I don't care. I don't care about single points on a missed field goal. That's horses kick returns. You love it. Yeah, the, it was a, uh, it was a huge week for the Rouge, uh, as yeah, we said. I mean, starting off, <laughs> starting off with that absolutely ridiculous game between the Riders and Elks which ended on a brain cramp, game-winning rouge. And think about that. I mean, that was a game that was decided by a rouge, and you could make an argument that the Bombers' second Grey Cup yes, it was basically turned on a very similar play where the Bombers got a rouge on a kickoff. I mean, excuse me, overall, the, uh, the rouge isn't going anywhere. So, I, I you know, it's always, I mean, listen, I know in the middle of summer we've got these sports debates or discussions that sometimes come up, but uh, hey, people will have their opinions about it. But it's a big part of the Canadian Football League, a big part of the three-down game, and uh, it certainly was a big part. And just quickly, as far as Greg McRae, you kind of mentioned with Carlton Agadosi, the thing about McRae is that he is just so versatile. I mean, he can return kicks. He can go out and catch passes. He can play in the backfield. Agadosi is a heck of a weapon. 
And certainly the guy you might want to be uh, throwing to on a post-corner uh, route in the back of the end zone because how big he is. But I think we've seen, especially with potentially Gary, Janae and Grant, and again, you asked, we don't have an update on him. I imagine we'll get something tomorrow from the Bombers when the team's back at practice. But um, uh, overall, I mean, I thought McCray really showed why the coaching staff loves him so much. And uh uh, he'll be uh, he'll be in a good spot going into next week. I'm sure he'll be saving his spot, maintaining his spot in the lineup. By the way, Bombers are heading to Ottawa next week. Really unfortunate um, for Jeremiah Masoli Reem, who uh, had a non-contact injury on the knee, was pulled from the game. And um, whenever you see your Twitter feed filling up with opponents of guys praying for a player, you know that it's probably really bad. And of course, he missed most of last season. He is such a talented player, and now. The Ottawa Red Blacks get the Winnipeg Blue Bombers next Saturday at home, and they'll be playing uh, a third-string quarterback and probably looking for another guy to come in and be a backup. So tough, tough spot early in the season for our old pal Bobby Dice, who's now the boss in Ottawa. Yeah, and I was saying, you know, a healthy Masoli could be, what, second-best QB in the league behind Claris. I think you can make that argument, and I was looking forward to seeing what he could bring to the Red Blacks because he was hurt last year, and... You know, they were playing, like, not ta- not as talented guys at quarterback. And who they cut uh, They cut the guy from last week, and they got a new guy, Crum, who came in on the weekend. Uh, he's going to, I guess, going to start against the I, Yeah, I think I think Crum's the guy next week. <laughs> Crum, what a name. That's Crum. So uh, good luck to him against the Bombers, uh, the Bombers next week. So a uh, nice little, I guess, an extra day off here for the Bombers. They play Friday. Saturday afternoon in Ottawa, who was uh, not great. But, yes, Dustin Crum is the name. He came in and actually did okay, Huss. 14-21 for 149 yards, but no touchdowns, but two interceptions. Not going to get any easier. Uh, Ottawa did lose to Hamilton, uh, 21-13. Matthew Schultz has filled in all right for Bo uh, since Bo went down. He went 233 yards, touchdown, and a pick. And um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens next week. Uh, Bombers going. As the, I think the East, you can still call them the JV division, right? Yeah. Well, the Argos will have something to say about yeah. that. But the re- the other three teams, I think we'd say pretty good game last night. By the way, I'm so in on these Sunday night CFL games. Hand up. I was probably one of the guys <laughs> that said, oh, man, I'm going to miss the double headers on the weekend. I said that. Who wants the games on Sunday night? Well, apparently a lot of people do. The ratings have been awesome for them. And like last night was a perfect night. I mean, you had the MLB draft on. Of course, I mean, listen, this is going to start a whole other rant. But Canada's playing the United States in the freaking Gold Cup, and it's not on television. So good on the CFL for identifying a a real soft spot on the television sports viewing schedule and getting those early Sunday night games on the schedule. All right, uh, Jamie Thomas is coming up in just a sec. Uh, before we bring in JT and wrap Jets Development Camp, a big shout-out to our friends at Modern Man Barbershops, now with eight locations in Winnipeg, including their newest locations on either Pembina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern Man Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Uh, with eight locations in the city, there's one conveniently located near you, Book your look and make an appointment by a modernmanbarber.com or follow them on Instagram at 
Modern Man Barber Shops. Uh, more great pool time on the weekend. Thinking about a pool? Why not make 2023 the year you take the plunge with AquaTech? Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And whole home renovations start with AquaTech as well. With thousands of renovations as their foundation, let AquaTech upgrade any space in your home. AquaTech's ready to make your reno dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. Playing hurt here today, folks. Just grinding it through. I think I got what Remus got in, uh, in Nashville. Um, but hey, I, it was another great weekend. I know many of you were out either at the Folk Fest or certainly out at the lake camping. Um, it is that time where you want to max out on your summer and you want to max out your time with your family doing the things that you love to do. Often, you'll need batteries to make those things happen, and that's why Manitoba Batteries, the number one option in Winnipeg and Manitoba, where you're shopping local, get the best prices in town with the best service. And uh, just so you've got more time to focus on using that Sea-Doo or ATV, Manitoba Battery is going to deliver your battery to you anywhere within the city of Winnipeg for free on any purchase over $60. It's really that simple. Don't waste your time in the parking lot of Costco or Canadian Tire. Let Manitoba Battery bring it to you at the best price in town. Find out more at manitobabattery.com or pop down and see them over at 1026 Logan Avenue. And hey, a big shout out to our friends at Canadian Club. There was a lot of CC poured at the stadium on the weekend. And a lot of CC and gingers enjoyed out there as well. And throughout Manitoba, if you haven't tried it already, CC and gingers now available in 473 milliliter cans at your local MLCC and beer vendor. Of course, you can pick Canadian Club up at your favorite Manitoba liquor marts. All right. Let's welcome in Jamie Thomas from Jets TV. JT, uh, how was the weekend? And what a great week it was for Jets Development Camp. The best part of it was we hadn't had one since ni- or 2019, so four years have gone by, and it's the first time for a lot of Jets fans to get a good look at the future of the Winnipeg Jets, right? So I, I thought you know, the crowds were great. You know, Paul, you guys took photos. Our social media department took a lot of photos and videos of the players, you know, changing rinks and signing autographs, taking photos with all the fans, and really that's what it's all about. And I think this is a, a, a great indication the types of players that Jets have drafted, the free agent invites that they brought in. But overall, I think it looks like everybody's having a good time, including the players. And for them to get together and one day possibly be in the Winnipeg Jets was important. I think Jimmy Roy had a big smile on his face the first day. There was a lot of great moments uh, through the you know five days and uh, really good to see all these players up close that we hadn't seen because of COVID and, and the like like that. You know, uh, Jimmy kicked it off with that great speech that you guys put yeah. out on your social medias beforehand. And we talked to Jimmy. It was really neat to see Mike Keen mic'd up. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought that Mike Keen, and again, listen, I'm not, the, the <laughs> development positions are very important, but hard yeah. to have much more respect for a guy when it comes to the hockey career than Mike Keen with what he's done, being a captain, winning cups in three different spots. 
I always like to see and hear more about Mike's working with uh, with these young players. Um, did you have much contact with Keener at all over the course of the uh, of the weekend? Uh, I'd be interested to hear just uh, kind of what he thought about everything, but also the way these young players were really embracing the opportunity. Yeah, I, I think you know we heard Jimmy the first day talk about relationships, or that that was part of his speech. And the consistent theme over the years that I've been covering this team is Jimmy and Mike. Like they are on the phone with them, they're doing Zoom calls with them, uh, they're seeing them face to face. That is the prime relationship that these these guys have with with the with the prospects and this is the guys they see the most of before they become Winnipeg Jets or for that matter Manitoba Moose um talking I, I talked a lot more with Keener at the draft in Nashville you know he's just so good about checking in but also just so good and knowledgeable about the about the players and I talked a lot with Jimmy Roy in particular about Rucker McGordy right Rucker had a quote-unquote uh, slow start to his season his first season in the NCAA with the Michigan Wolverines I mean he still had eight goals uh, and and 19 points over the first half of the season end up with 39 points over over the full full season. So I mean his he, his analysis of that is players in the NCAA have to adapt to two things: playing against men, and then also their, their class schedule. Right, you're still going to university, you're still taking classes as an 18, 19 year old. So the and Rector talked about the you know time management part of things. And that's also something Jimmy brought up. So Jimmy and Mike are so good about asking why say a pro you're wondering why prospects not, you know, blossoming as much as people expect them to. Those two are the greatest guys to go to about that type of conversation. So uh, to answer your question, like I, you just pick their brain a little bit here and there. Jimmy's really good about um, texting back when, when, when you have a question about somebody, um, you know, who's Dimitri Kuzman, got to go home for the first time in over a year back to Belarus, right? So then as a young player, that that affects somebody, right? You can't see your family for a year, which we don't have to, you know, none of us have to really go through that. So to be that far away from home and not be able to go home uh, like like you want to, that affects anybody. So uh, Dimitri Kuzman got that opportunity to go home right before development camp. So those are the types of things that you can you know, get from Jimmy Roy and, and Mike Keenan, but they're just they're just a wealth of knowledge about the development side of this organization and something I, I lean on quite a bit. You know, JT, I mean, you bring up Rucker McGordy, we may as well go right mm -hmm. to him. Have he, to. I, I, and I mean, like, we've known this on, on this program, I'm sure with you ever since he was drafted last year. But I mean, the guy has something special to his personality. He's got a charisma, he's got an energy mm -hmm. that... Um, you know, obviously certainly makes, you know, his teammates love him. Um, yeah. We saw that same thing for the fans. What kind of blew me away, though, from what we heard <laughs> from him earlier on. Yeah. Was that he'd basically been homeschooled since the sixth grade. Like for a guy that has basically lived in hockey rinks and been with teammates and had been doing mm -hmm. school online all the time. It's stunning at the incredible personal and you know interactions, the people skills that he had. And listen, I'm not sure whether a bunch of the guys were like that, whether they thought they'd be doing like that before, but he really led the way. And it was quite clear that um, the rest of the young men that had the opportunity to participate in that camp were um, going to follow right along and um, make a lot of fans days, but also have a lot of fun doing it. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, Rucker was such a big part of that vibe, but it's amazing at how young he is, how comfortable he is in that role, especially considering his background. 
Yeah, that's that's a very good point by you. And um, I met Rucker McGrody's parents at the draft in Nashville up in the suite when Zachary Nering was making his rounds. And, you know, who's one of the first people to go over to Nering after he's been drafted? Like, Rutger McGrody doesn't have to do this. Like, we, I was having a conversation with him. He left our conversation to go over to, to Zach to congratulate him being drafted by the Jets and had a, then just had a, a conversation afterwards. So, to your point, this guy gets it. He's got a great personality. Um, meeting his parents, you kind of understand a little bit more about where that comes from. But this guy has leadership written all over him. And it was him, Colby Barlow, and Tyrell Bauer that kind of seemed to be leading the way about getting everybody comfortable and associated with one another because they are a family. It's all about the relationships, but it seemed like those three were the ringleaders. And Bauer was a big part of the Manitoba Moose last year or was the captain of the Seattle Thunderbirds. Uh, his last season in the Western Hockey League and wore a letter for three of his four years. So, and then you got, you know, Colby Barlow, a young, we've gone over this. He's captain at 17. So you have all these leadership qualities, but to put that together and have the confidence to go out and do that with a bunch of guys that you don't really know, it says everything you need to know about them. And, you know, back about where you're talking about McGrory walking through and Colby Barlow, they weren't, they weren't hustling their way through the changing of the rinks with the fans and taking photos. They took part of it and looked like they were enjoying themselves. And sure, it's early in their in their professional careers, and some of them aren't pros yet at this point. But it's just a great sign, and I think that's where the fans. I think that's you know, fans will always say they they want to you know you want to understand these guys. You want them to be more in the community. That was a great indication of what's to come with this group that is uh, one day hopefully going to be Winnipeg Jets full time. You know, you mentioned uh, Bauer. Mm-hmm. And Bauer is a big favorite of a few of uh, a oh. few of our chatters. T. Quinnapoli in particular is always talking about yes. Bauer. Yeah, um, he is big. He is strong. Oh. He's sturdy. Like yeah. as I say, for a guy um, that went where he went um, and was, you know, I, I think he played right through till this twenty-year-old year in junior. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe a bit of a late bloomer, and I'm still not sure whether he projects at some point to be an NHLer. But I'll tell yeah. you what, he's got a lot of the, uh, he's got a lot of clubs in his bag that the Winnipeg Jets don't have in some other areas. And and the more I see him, um, he becomes a more intriguing prospect. And he was another guy that was very much part of the uh, alphas, if you would like to uh, use that term, <laughs> when it came to that group over the course of the last number of days at development camp. Yeah, I, I think doesn't Tyrell Bauer have glue guy written all over him? Like it's just. A great guy in the room. That's, I mean, first and foremost, leadership, um, imposing. And, and, you know, a couple of things that you didn't really mention there and throw him. I mean, he's tough. And certainly on the back end, you know, maybe that's what the Jets are missing in some aspects. And we don't know where Tyrell Bauer's peak is going to be. Will it be the NHL? But he's right now, he's been a great pro with the Manitoba Moose and, and going through there. And you could sense there's a big difference in his confidence level dealing with us. And when I saw him in Penticton for the rookie tournament uh, in September, so there's big growth in his personality. And now we're starting to see why the Jets like him. And outside of the tough side, tough part of him, good defenseman. But for him to do that and put, put, make, you know, go out of his own, out of his way to welcome new faces to the Winnipeg Jets, I think that says everything you need to know about him. So I imagine it is well warranted the people that, like Tyrell Bauer and talk about him on your show because uh, he's he's a very likable guy and there's many reasons why to like him on and off the ice in this organization. 
I mean, we, of course, were uh, there and got a chance to meet Colby Barlow. I mean, in the mm-hmm. hour after he was drafted and made a huge impression. Um, yeah. What, uh, I mean, you were around there on a daily basis doing some behind-the-scenes things. I mean, uh, what mm-hmm. more did you learn about Colby? And uh, I will say this, as Dave Manuk very, very accurately put, um, may have a futures at rumors because his deadpan <laughs> delivery of the line about how... His escape room night went was an absolute classic, but um, I mean, yeah. just observations on uh, what you saw from Barlow over the course of the week in his first uh, official duties as part of the Winnipeg Jets organization. Well, what we like to do on your show here, House, is like give out useless, useless information and a couple of useless information things I learned about Colby. But ask him, he's like the oldest looking 17 year old I've seen in a long time. He does not look like he just got drafted, he's got the full he's beard. Shaving going in on. third grade. <laughs> I know. I asked him. So he said grade nine, he had the full mustache. And then like grade 11, he's got the beer coming in. So he said it was a little pencil one that first came in. He said, then I shaved and that was a huge mistake because he's been shaving ever since. And on top of that, um, I did the hot lap with him around the rink, just doing some fact finding. And I was checking out his skates. He said he has the same hockey skates that he used in major Bantam. Now I know he's 19, but for a kid nowadays that plays major junior, to have the same boot skate boots over the last four or five years, that says something. Because they fit like socks now, so they're just like a second part of them. So that, that to me, that's fascinating because in major junior, I feel like you can get new skates whenever you want, depending on the budget of, of your of your Is team. Is he going to be like the Butch Goring, the new the new age Butch Goring, who wore the same helmet from Bronx Community Center all through his NHL career? Is he going to be just getting new blades <laughs> on these boots of his that he had from junior? Yeah, same boots, and I think I mean this is something. That of course we in the Jets content department will make sure we keep in touch with because this is the information that we want and we know Jets fans want to know. But uh, yeah, it was it was fascinating to find out about that. But and then the facial. But on top of that, you're starting to see the leadership qualities that we've been told about. You know, Dale DeGray, the general manager of the Owen Sound Attack, that was one of the first things he talked about. But he said he made him captain. Part of the reason why they made him captain in his 17 year old year was his 200 foot game, his responsibility in his own end. And Kevin Cheveldayoff was quick to point out to both of us, you and I in the scrum after round one, you know, there's a lot more to just his, his 200-foot game than just the defensive side of things. He's got a hell of a shot. And I asked Dominic DiVincentis about Colby Barlow's shot. He goes, yeah, it's it's NHL caliber for sure. And DiVincentis would know that because they face each other in the Ontario Hockey League. They've known each other uh, a little bit through grade school and the like like that. So we've seen a lot of the – we've seen the character part of, of Colby Barlow. We've seen his the offensive flair – you also see the leadership side of it too. So there's a lot to like about them. Again, it's early. Lots of, you know, you don't want to get too overly giddy about these types of things, but it sure seems like, you know, you even go with Chaz Lucius who had injury issues and that caused him to draft drop in the draft. Uh, it was a heavy, it was loaded in the first round of talent. So maybe that's where Colby Volleyball falls down a lot. And then Rucker McGrody and of course, Brad Lambert. So, and then we go even go with Cole Perfetti. The Jets have had players dr- fall to them in the draft that are highly talented with high character that I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited about the future of this hockey team. Um, well, Brad Lambert seemed to be having a lot of fun. Yes. And I couldn't help but notice how different he felt. And maybe this was being around more of his peers, like young yes. men that were sort of around his age. Yeah. But it was a stark contrast to the guy that – you know, fell in the draft last year. The Jets were fortunate enough to get him at 30th. He came into camp and really did have a great camp. And we all remember what he did in those exhibition games. And then, you know, went to the Manitoba Moose. 
but I have to I have to think that I mean I think two things for Brad's kind of mm-hmm. development to use the the term of the camp um played in some different spots but I think really benefited from playing a more dominant role on a great Seattle team along with his teammate Thomas Millich but then also to kind of have that a confidence building season and then be back with a number of guys that I mean, that really is what development camp is all about. And I think he's taken mm-hmm. a big step, and I can't wait to see what he's got when the big camp opens up in a couple months. Yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to talk to Matt Odette, the head coach of the Seattle Thunderbirds, who was kind enough to take some time away from his moments in Nashville, which, as you know, there's a lot of distractions in the city. So for him to take that moment to talk about um, Brad was was fantastic and, and, and appreciated. And he said a lot of what you just said, Haas, is just, I think it was important for him to be with players of his same age so he could be a kid again. He'd been playing with, you know, at, you know, men in Finland, uh, played with the Manitoba Moose for a long stretch too. So to, to get to the Western Hockey League level, play an elite team like the Seattle Thunderbirds to go to Memorial Cup, that only helps in his development, as we were just talking about. And you could see that confidence there. He was more outgoing, I believe, you know, than we've seen in a little bit. Now, of course, that's going back to being with players of his same age and being a, a fellow Winnipeg Jet prospect. But I just, you just saw that confidence with the puck in, you know, those three-on-threes or those tight drills uh, at center ice. So um, you see everything that we've we've heard about him that you're hoping that he has and that confidence that he definitely needs to get to the next level. But I think, you know, clearly with the Manitoba Moose, you're learning about playing, about being professional. But back to the Seattle Thunderbirds, an elite team with the championship aspirations, that can only help in his development and growth as a player. Jamie Thomas, the Jets TV, is with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, As far as what was going on, especially on Saturday when they kind of broke into three-on-threes, Mm-hmm. We spent a lot of time talking about the first rounders. Uh, the guy I was most interested to see, to be honest, was Elias Samuelson on the uh, the blue liner. Yeah, same. Who I, yeah. who I thought really, I mean, man, like the, the skating, the poise that he has with the puck, and I think it speaks to, you know, the level that he's been playing. I, I saw that he made his his Swedish elite league debut as a sixteen year old, and yeah. you know played seventeen playoff games for this year. I'm he really stood out to me with just kind of focusing on a couple of the drills, but did he or anyone else sort of, um, you know, turn a few heads when they were uh, having some fun on, on three on threes on Saturday? Yeah. Salamonson for sure. Uh, Brad Lambert in tight, um, you know, record McGrory. What, what you saw from McGrory is his first thought process is get to the puck to the net. And he made, he was good at, he was excellent at that part of it. Uh, you started to see that strength of his upper body strength. Um, he was starting to muscle his way around in one-on-one drills. So I, I'm with you. Sal Monson was somebody I was completely uh, enamored by over the, the time at development camp. And Mark Chipman had told me he had a great year overseas. Going back to Sweden, strong chance he plays for the Swedes at the World Juniors this year. So, I mean, there are a lot. Like, and McGordy's going to the Summer Showcase Tournament um, right away here for the United States. So, but to, to back to your question, I, I think Salamonson was somebody I, I was key at. I, first off, the size of him, how quickly he moves the puck. You know, clearly he's going to get a little bit stronger in front of the net, which is what you're going to need from him uh, down the road. Should he when he becomes a professional uh, in North America? But Salamonson was somebody that really impressed me over the time here. And um, you know, Dominic Divincentis, uh, he had a great year, but you're always wondering how that looks against players a little bit older. He looked a lot more confident. Uh, you know, say earlier. 
especially dealing with the media, there's that confidence level. But to, to win the Ontario Hockey League goaltender of the year uh, says everything you need to know about uh, the future of this kid and, of course, him signing his, uh, his entry-level contract. Well, and speaking of uh, of goalies and next year, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, I listen from what I saw, Milic looked pretty good. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how much you're going to get out of a development camp scenarios and obviously three right. on threes. But as I believe Neaton was saying earlier on, you want to get in these spots where you're getting tons of shots and tons of chances. I mean, that is what the whole entire point of the exercise is. Yeah. But what are you hearing about Milic? I mean, he um, he's done now as a junior hockey player. I would think it's right. highly likely that uh, we're going to get a chance to see him down at uh, the rink as a member of the Manitoba Moose, I would think, if he's able to secure a spot in camp. It sounds like there'll be an opportunity for him. Yeah, Salmon, and of course, and then uh, Delia is another guy that kind of will be in that running, depending on what goes on with Connor Hellebuck. Like, the whole depth chart is re- relying on what happens with number 37 this offseason or even a little bit later. But Milic is a guy, and then going back to Matt Odette, the head coach, like this, he's clearly said over and over again, this guy, this is a kid that will not be denied. He was passed over in his draft year last year, you know, found a way to win a gold medal with Canada this year at the World Juniors, went to the Memorial Cup as well. He had split time with Scott Ratslab in the regular season with the Thunderbirds, but grabbed the reins and is just a little bit over six feet. And we all know this whole thing with goaltenders, People are kind of like iffy in that department with the goaltenders, anything shorter than 6'3". Milic is a battler, and uh, as Matt Odette said, he will not be denied and would not be surprised if he finds his way in the National Hockey League one day. But a great, another great kid. Um, so it looks like as of the time being, and I know it's down the road here, you, they're pretty comfortable with how this looks. The question is, is he going to find his way with the Manitoba Moose or are the Jets going to have to find some space somewhere in the East Coast Hockey League for him this year? But he's not going back to junior. He'll be a professional this year, just where and, and how that looks uh, for Thomas Millich, who, you know, another great kid that you're you're hoping the best for. And, and to be honest, I, I know you just mentioned the ECHL. and I mean, it would be, I mean, we wouldn't be able to see him play all the time. Um, no. But I'm, I'm not out on a year as a guy that's going to get 50 plus, 55 mm-hmm. starts at the East Coast League level. Might not be very good for him. Although, here's the thing with Millich. Everywhere he's gone... He has put up incredible numbers, save percentage, wins, goals against average. At a certain point, you do want him playing at the highest level that he is capable of right now. And I do think that he'll get the opportunity to show that he's deserving of starts in the American Hockey League. Uh, Because as I said, this wasn't a kid that was just drafted as an 18-year-old, Jamie. No, no, that's that's the whole thing. And and the, the Jets don't really have an East Coast Hockey League affiliate, so that's where the complication comes in, right? They have a relationship with the Newfoundland Growlers, um, but they don't control what goaltenders and what the, what, what yeah. their situation is, right? So does does Thomas get enough ice time there, or does he battle his way into uh, you know backup or starting role with the Manitoba Moose? A lot remains to be seen. That's a big jump for anybody, uh, especially for a goaltender to get to the to the professional level. But a lot is a lot is uh, out there right now in, in decision making in terms of what Thomas Millish is, where he's going to be, and how that's going to look. Yeah, you know what? If you don't mind, try, pull up your phone and get the Chevy group chat going and just give us his last few messages of what's happening with the Hellebuck and uh, yeah. Mark Shankly. I know you've talked to us a hundred times, but can we just go back to the Connor Hellebuck thing one more time? Hey, uh, one question for you. How's Remus's laptop? Uh, did you get a new one yet? Yeah, Jamie, Jamie was there. Jamie was there <laughs> front and center. For the greatest, gate. the greatest moment of the draft <laughs> by far. There was a lot of great things going on. It was a tremendous place to have it, but to see Remus's face 
when he pulls the old laptop out of the bag and just see it's got a little curve in it. <laughs> what the? I didn't do anything. I yeah. didn't do anything. <laughs> there. <laughs> the photo. There's the photo. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it before. Yeah, I can tell you that I am certainly not at 100%. Look at the curve in it. How has that even happened? I, uh, apparently, uh, his theory was that that maybe happened during the x-ray process. Okay. <laughs> it's literally the only time it was out of his... It you know, you, guys, you, need to hire, you need to hire an IT guy at Winnipeg Sports Talk to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, yes, exactly. Someone that can break it down and you know, do a bit of an autopsy on our... Okay. On the dearly departed. Because you always that, get dirty looks from people in IT all the time. So I can you know what? That laptop, that, that laptop lived a great life, though. It, sure it wasn't it used. The... It wasn't grinding out uh, on a daily basis. <laughs> mm-hmm. It spent two wonderful weeks at the World Cup in Qatar. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then, like often happens to people, they get to Nashville, but they don't come home. Oh, listen, I ran into Pete DeBoer outside of the elevator in our hotel, and I think Pete had, had been to Tootsie's or something. <laughs> yeah, I asked him, like he said, I'm, I'm in a fog. But uh, I, I told him once that <clears throat> I work for the Jets, and he kept asking me what I do for the Flyers. So it was just, it was, it was one of those weeks. And I think, and then of course, Bill Gehring, you know, thanking Tootsie's for keeping the, the team hydrated. Uh, the whole time that was part of the fun of uh, a great a great week uh, in the city home, of Nashville. By the way, did you uh, did how was your uh, your itinerary? Were you stuck in the Nashville airport for um, hours and hours, like many uh, many of the unfortunate were? <laughs> no, we got out just in time before the thunderstorm started. So, and we were back home in Winnipeg at eleven thirty. So we didn't have the the the, the adventure that half the rest of the, the media people that I saw at the at the Nashville airport had. So we were grateful. Uh, JT, great stuff. It was awesome seeing you in Nashville, and of course, last week. And uh, now we'll wait to see what the next month or so brings us and uh, get ready for training camp. Have a good one, dude, and have a great summer yeah. holidays and uh, on your travels. Yeah, thanks, man. Hamilton's hair looks fantastic, by the way, for the viewers that are about to check in on As this. always. <laughs> you know, Rowicki sets the bar so high, all the other regulars yeah. need to, you know, they've got like special stylists that come in uh, right before they come on. But Jeff, Jeff runs that way pretty much 24-7. Good stuff, Jamie. Jamie Thomas with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, um, just before we bring in the hammer, hey, if you're looking for great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products and amazing barbecue options like Vita Market, grass-fed, and bison beefsteaks, you got to get on down to Vita Health Fresh Market with seven Winnipeg locations, as well as the newest one in Linden Ridge, and of course, if you can make it down to one of the seven Vita Healths, visit their website at myvita.ca to buy online or pick up for local delivery. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. All right, our friends at Wallace & Wallace are Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist. You've seen their fences and trucks all over the city. They've been doing it since 1946. Whatever kind of fence you need, We've got you covered. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors as well. Give them a call at 452-2700 for a free estimate. Excuse me. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on uh, Lawson Road off of Keniston. Um, hey, gang, if you're looking for to upgrade your uh, wardrobe heading into the fall and summer. You got to get on down to F Apparel. 
Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, and a ton of menswear accessories. The guys got a 15% discount for wedding parties, guys. If you need to get done up for the big day, find out more. 190 Smith Street downtown. Or make an appointment at fapparel.com. All right, we, we are getting through this. We are getting through this. Let's get Hammer on here to uh, take the load off for a bit. How was your weekend, my man? How are you doing? Uh, they should be honoring you for this show. You should see the view I have from the uh, in the background. It's quite quite the uh, <laughs> pushing through. My weekend was great, man. I uh, got to catch obviously the the bomber game over the weekend with a you know slow start to the weekend it was, but uh, certainly a, a, a better second half for the blue and gold. But uh, otherwise, yeah, pretty good, pretty good weekend. Just uh, took it easy for the most part and getting ready for what should be an exciting week. I'm heading to Ottawa later this week, so uh, should be a good one. Yeah, well, let's get to the bomber game right off the bat. I certainly want to get to some jet topics with you. But um, I mean, I'll be honest, there was a few nervous uh, folks walking around after the first quarter, like considering what happened two weeks ago against BC. But um, it was the good old bombers in the second half. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't think there was a single fan in the stands that um, thought that the bombers would would come out as slow as they did, uh, much like they did against BC. But unlike that BC game, they figured it out. I think there's a lot of pressure on the Bombers at home. And this isn't a woe is me to the blue and gold by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I just get this sense that, especially after the BC game, which was, you know, let's face it, was was a butt whooping by, uh, you know, by the Lions against the Bombers. But I think there's just an expectation that the Bombers are going to win by like three touchdowns every home game. And, and, and that's just, you know, whether that was – you know, it's it's just a funny turn of events, right? Because for years the team wasn't wasn't great at all. The expectation was they weren't going to win at home. The records that we see now against Calgary, which is seven straight now, uh, we used to see those similar records against the Bombers on home turf. And I, I really do think it was the 2021 season. This the Bombers were you know ripping through the through the league, just beating every team seemingly by you know 20 plus points. And I think the expectation is they're just going to win win like that every game. So. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it's a sign of a good team that when you're not playing your best, you can you can still win by, what, 13 points was it for the Bombers? I thought, you know, certainly the offense took a little bit of time to get going. I thought the defense, while, you know, getting run on pretty hard by Diedrich Mills early in the first, you know, throughout, throughout the first quarter, really, uh, I thought they played a, a pretty patient game and certainly, you know, shutting out Calgary the last two two quarters helped, helped the offense find its groove and, and um, put really put the game to, to bed in that fourth quarter, which uh, with that nearly 10, I heard you say off the top nine minutes, it was 9.43, closer to 10 minutes. And when you can do that in the fourth quarter, even if you even if you only end up with three points, which I think was disappointing for the offense, but when you can put, put you up, uh, you know, a healthy lead um, and drain that much off the clock, I think you're laughing. And certainly the Bombers are feeling pretty good about themselves as they enter this week. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess I, I knew it was nine plus. I just couldn't remember exactly what it was. But the bottom line is it was more than half of the entire quarter. And, I mean, Jeff, the biggest takeaway from that game for me was, I mean, I think the Bomber offensive line in particular, they got punched in the mouth by the BC Lions. And things did not start out particularly well in the first quarter as well on either side of the line of scrimmage. That's been the foundation for this championship era that we've had for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And I think both sides of the football took it somewhat personally, especially the O-line and not they and Brady Oliveira took it from there. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, I think I, I might butcher the quote, but Mike O'Shea said, you know, talking about the O-line and, and the running game in particular, you know, they know what to do, you know, at that time. They know, what, or they know what time it is. One of, the, one of those two things, probably a blend of 
of both those comments anyways. Uh, they knew exactly what to do, and and you're right. I think there was certainly after the BC game, there was a little bit of I don't want to say hurt pride because I don't think these guys were, you know, all of a sudden were, you know, thought that they should have, you know, kicked uh, BC's ass or anything. I mean, I think that's the I think that's one of the the positive traits about this club is they respect all their opponents. They don't go into a game whether it's against the BC Lions, the Toronto Argonauts, or the Edmonton Elks thinking that they're gonna you know run over everybody. I think they hope to do that, but I don't think that's necessarily with some kind of guarantee so there certainly was I think you know maybe proving to themselves a bit but certainly proving to the outside noise that they claim not to listen to and I don't think they I don't think they embrace that by any stretch of the mean by any stretch of the imagination but I certainly think they hear it uh and and they don't like they don't like hearing those kind of things they didn't like hearing about Nathan Rourke and the BC Lions last year and when they came to town they you know they laid a whooping on them 40 45 21 I believe that game was and I thought that's what was going to happen against BC and I think that's what was really surprising for me but anyways fast forward two weeks Calgary you know they're they're banged up and battered there's no doubt about it they had a, a what a eight eight eleven players or something on the six game injured list three more on the one game uh, a couple key contributors on offense and running back Kadeem Carey uh him being out Malik Henry obviously their best receiver he had an Achilles injury in week four against the Scotch or three three sorry against the Scotch one he's out for the season so they were banged up but they had a full week to prepare with off the bye week certainly Dave Dickinson didn't you know hit the beach on vacation that that bye week he was going over Winnipeg's film probably looking exactly what BC was able to do and I thought you know for a good chunk of the first 15 minutes they were able to do that but credit to the Bombers they they did the you know they did their second half adjustments they got a big boost from Greg McRae who just had an incredible game what was it 182 all-purpose yards chipping in as a receiver running back end and returner and um, so, you know, certainly some advent, you know, some advantageous plays to in the first half for the offense. But then in the second half, you know, going through the adjustments, going through some of the film from the first half, trying to come up with a different game plan while shutting out your opponent is, is, is about as good as it gets. And to be as effective as we saw the offense move the ball, certainly the third quarter wasn't great, but the fourth quarter absolutely was uh, a return to to Bombers football. And I think what a lot of fans were expecting by the final whistle. Uh, Hammer, speaking of Greg McRae. I've seen some people in chat giving it to the coaches a little bit for not having him in there from the get-go of this season. Fill us in on his spot on the roster. I mean, he was in playing there because who was out and like what happens when Kenny Lawler comes back in? He's, he's still sort of a bubble guy for the active roster or does a performance like this just tell Mike O'Shea, hey, he's playing too well to keep him out? Well, I'm not putting Greg McRae in the same, you know, necessarily category as Tyrell Pigram <laughs> we you know we saw some pretty awesome stuff from him and he couldn't even make the roster so you know I, I, again I'm not I don't think those are that's a fair comparison but I certainly agree with you I don't know how you take Greg McRae out of the lineup uh, when you need you know when, when you have a versatile piece like him and you're especially not you're especially not taking him out of the lineup because I don't think Janarian Grant is coming back next week or this week you know, I, I from what I've been hearing, the buzz is it's not good. Uh, it's probably long term. I wrote that in my five takeaway story yesterday. It's out in the paper today. Um, you know, I just you know how long it could be. I don't know. I don't know if we're talking six plus weeks, but we're certainly not talking next week. So, you know, if you're going to be looking, you know, if you're looking at a guy to replace them, it kind of creates a little bit of a you know a good problem a solution to what I would argue is a good problem and that you now have Greg McRae able to return balls. And, uh, and so to answer your question, I mean, they had to, they thought highly of this guy, of course. And I mean, it's tough to hang out on the practice roster, right? This is a second straight year. Greg McRae has spent a lot of time on that PR. I think it starts to weigh on you. So, you know, see, 
seeing what they had against you know Calgary and using his skill set, Greg McCray's versatile skill set to be a you know to be that sweep guy to be a running option to be a you know obviously an option in the pass game, I think was appealing and and certainly we saw that against Montreal. Uh, you know I think he finished with 59 total yards, but he was effective. You know he was a guy that certainly ha- uh, played a role in that victory. And and then fast forward a week and you see what he was able to do against the Calgary Stampeders. I mean that was that was dynamic. I mean you can say it was a great pump fake by by Zach Claris and absolutely it was but you gotta you gotta run the play you gotta reel that ball in and you gotta score that touchdown and that's execution and we all know Mike O'Shea you know Bombers head coach loves execution so how you take him out um, you know I don't know if you can but to put him in this past week you need to sit Carlton Agadosi on the one game injured list right he's not injured Um, so you're essentially paying that guy uh, to sit on the bench because you don't want to lose him right and and so you know with Kenny Lawler you know, the update here, guys, is is as simple as this. The Bombers don't know. They're incredibly hopeful this week. I think they were incredibly hopeful last week. So the feeling is something's going to get done this week, but there is no guarantee in that. You know, they've, they've already dealt with a lot of red tape, a lot of bureaucratic stuff at the immigration officers, and rightfully so. I mean, it's not like, you know, you're a Winnipeg Blue Bomber, you jump the queue, you got to go through through the legal process and, and get that working visa. So you're able to earn, earn money in this, in this country after pleading guilty for an impaired driving charge in, in 2021. Right. So um, th- we're thinking this probably this week, but uh, I, I th- there is no guarantee there, but if he does come back, I mean, Greg McRae does go into that spot. That was, that was, um, that was filled by Janarian Grant, but then it, it again leaves you with the same problem. How do you get Carlton Agadosi into it? Again, I called it, I call it a good problem, but the fact of the matter is, is you know how long is Carlton Agadosi going to want to stick on the one game? You know how w- what's that going to turn into? How long are the Bombers going to want to be paying a guy that's not you know not making the roster? But we also know injuries, much as we saw this week, and we'll see in weeks to come. Injuries happen every single week, uh, so you want to have guy good players around you. It's just a, you know again a good problem to have to um, you know have a hard time in some instances on filling them all into the roster. Uh, Hammer, let's move on to the other side of the football because, as I said, I mean, the response from the O-line, Oliveira clinching that victory was massive. Um, And they sort of had their bounce back in the second half. To me, the defense, after a brilliant game, allowing only three points against Montreal, had a bit of a slow start. I mean, they were getting run all over for the best part of the first quarter, at least. How did things turn around, and uh, what did the fellas have to say about... uh, the shutout in the second half after uh, the way things started. Yeah, I think that, you know, you look at that game and, and you look at Diedrich Mills running for what? I think he finished with 97 yards and about 75 of it was in the first quarter. Um, he's no slouch. I mean, I, I mentioned out the top, you know, Kadeem Carey is, you know, one of the best, if not the best running back in, in the CFL. So to lose him was tough. But Diedrich Mills was not a, you know, distant plan B. This is a guy who, who runs like a, you know, like a beast. He's a North South runner. He's a big runner. He can take contact and he entered the game leading uh, the CFL with 88 rushing yards, you know, average per game, which was ahead of uh, Brady Oliveira, who I think was at 81 or so. Um, So, you know, it's not a surprising, especially when you saw with, with BC, it's not overly surprising that they wanted to slow down the game with the, with the run game. The last thing you want to do, if you can have an effective run game with uh, against the Bombers is, you can milk that clock and you have less time that Zach Caleros can do damage against you. So that, that I imagine was the ultimate plan there and was working to a T uh, until the Bombers, as you mentioned, adjusted the thing. I think, you know, I, I can't tell you the exact looks that they were necessarily covering, but I think it was almost a bit of a break and a, a, a more of a wake up call, if you will, after that first. Cause I think from there it was, 
you know, after, after that, I think it was five straight punts or uh, seven punts and a couple turnovers and, and uh, you know, pretty much bomber defense as we've come to know it over the last few or last couple of years. So, um, you know, the adjustments were clear in the second half. I think they were, they were on top of, uh, on, on top of the, uh, you know, on the stamps play calls. But I also thought that Dave Dickinson abandoned the run when things weren't going that well in the second, I, you know, he stopped handing the ball off. And I think that was his mistake. You know, the bombers weren't running the ball great pretty much all game until that last, that last lengthy drive. It just, you know, for, for Calgary to abandon the run as early as they did in such a close game. I mean, obviously by the end of that, um, by the end of the game, it was more difficult to, 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 to lean on the run game, but um, certainly I thought they could have done a better job in the second and third quarters, but uh, yeah, the Bombers just made those adjustments uh, were on their P's and Q's and ultimately got better pressure against Jake Mayer, who ultimately got pulled at the end of the game for Tommy Stevens, not because they wanted to rest him, but because they wanted to have a spark. Dave Dickinson said after the game, you're not going to win many games with 122 passing yards. That was Jake Mayer's, stat line so um you know it's an interesting situation with calgary right now obviously at one and three alberta you know what are they one and nine now um you know they're uh they they need to figure things out they're they're going through it right now certainly with injuries but uh their quarterback is not playing you know the way that they need their number one quarterback to play and their offense well again it was it was you know obviously encouraging for them to see Diedrich mills run the ball you need to have you know you need to be two-dimensional and so um certainly calgary wasn't that near the end and and they got a lot of questions uh that they don't have answers to right now as they head into next week desperate for a win you know Hammer, we um we were talking about greg mccray and the incredible game he had and i mean the thrilling 102 yard return that he had that fell just short of the end zone um, part of the reason why he was given that opportunity was that uh, Janarian Grant got nicked up. Uh, what have you, uh, w- w- are you hearing anything on Grant? I mean, well, how would you describe the level of concern around the Bombers after he left the game? Yeah, not good. Like, I think he's out for at least this week, um, probably longer. Uh, you know, Janarian Grant's tough. I think we've seen that this week over and over again. I mean, how many times do you think the guy's only like 5'9", 157 pounds? So it's, you know, you, you hear that kind of, you know, that stat line, if you will. And then you see the plays we've seen, not just this season, but previous seasons where he's bounced off tackles, where he's take contact. You wonder why he wasn't injured earlier. And if, I, if I'm correct, I might not be right in this. I should have checked this before, but he might have got hurt in a running play, um, you know, which he isn't really utilized that much in, in the offensive game and, and only started to be that, play that role after, you know, that new nationalized American uh, rule came into play right the bombers were not really thinking about what you know about using that rule but i, I think they because more or less didn't really not that they didn't have the players they have lots of players that have been on the you know the roster that would fill that role but you know wanting to to do it within the the point of the whole role was uh, uh grant fell into that so he he got more plays on offense but um certainly like you know people were it looked like he was holding his groin as he was walking off the uh the field but i don't know if that is the injury uh, but I do know that the Bombers are concerned that, you know, the test did come back, you know, not, not great. And that, uh, you know, I think there will be a need, at least for the, at least for this week, uh, we'll need a replacement in that return game. And that's a, that's a tough one because as much as, as Greg McRae proved that he could, you know, he could do some damage and certainly has some, um, you know, dynamic skill set to that, to that part of the game, you know, Janarian Grant has been that for, 
this season and years uh, and is a weapon every time he touches the ball because we saw Greg McRae, we saw him, what, return that 102 yards. He's probably getting into the end zone if he's not playing a bulk of the uh, the offensive plays, but that might be that might be figured out this week if uh, a guy like Kenny Lawler can return. Well, it was 102, but it was probably 140 or 150 when you count in all the horizontal uh, yardage he was tacking up before going vertical. Sure. Just an incredible thriller. And I always love it when Dusty's calling those games because he loses his mind multiple times throughout. And he had a thriller last night, um, although it didn't end up very tight. Some wild plays in that BC-Montreal game. Totally. Um, of course, you can get just full recap of the Big Bomber win to go to 4-0 in the Winnipeg Free Press. One thing I'm glad you mentioned in it because, you know, we focus so much in on, hey, this game and who are they playing next? And that's exactly the way Mike O'Shea operates, but a uh, big win for O'Shea. Um, and, you know, I know we often joke about how Paul Maurice was a little premature with his comment about putting a statue up for Mark Shifley outside one day. They may as well start getting the process going for the Mike O'Shea statue because um, what he's done really is, I mean, amazing considering what this team was when he started, as well as the first couple of years. But with that win, Ties Cal Murphy for all-time wins as a Blue Marble head coach and is now has 16 more to chase down the legendary Bud Grant. Pretty incredible company for Mike O'Shea. Well, how crazy is that, right? Because, you know, 16 wins, I mean, he'll have that by the, you know, if all things go to plan, have that by the end of this contract. And think about just the ways in which, you know, this city, this province, the Canadian Football League talks about Bud Grant. I mean, he's a legend. Right. I mean, he he he's just he's a legend for being a winner. And so to have that, you know, for Mike O'Shea to be spoken in the same breath as as those names. I mean, it's certainly an honor. It's certainly a, a, a special recognition. It's certainly a a, um, you know, a, a byproduct of his success in Winnipeg and and his journey and his ability to instill the kind of culture that we've heard so much about. And I've written so much about over the years and and just the whole, you know, just a, a team that is not just talented on the field, but is worth cheering for off it, are just good people, are, are people who do things the right way, who play the game for the right reasons, who conduct themselves, you know, appropriately, who take who take living in the community seriously, who understand the role that they that, that they can play as the local football team and the influence that they have. And it all starts, begins and ends with Mike O'Shea and his message. Um, you know, there's you look at you look around the CFL and the, and the successful teams and, and and you know show me a successful team and I'll show you a coach that players want to run through through a wall for and, and certainly that's the case here in Winnipeg and you know while Mike O'Shea might have joked about you know maybe a snowman putting up for him there is absolutely no doubt that um, when you know when all is said and done when when he's made his final you know contributions to to the Winnipeg Football Club that he'll he'll be honored in in more ways than just a statue but certainly a statue is waiting to be bronze. For him, I think the question now is: Will he still be working when it when it when it goes up? But uh, I joke about that, of course. But certainly a special uh, special run here for for Mike O'Shea. And uh, when you consider how rough it started with a twelve and twenty four record in the first two seasons, to see you know it, the chatter a lot a lot of the chatter back then was you know how 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 can they go on with with this guy as as the head coach? And now you look at today and you wonder where this team would be without him. No, 100%. I mean, he is, uh, I mean, already a Blue Bomber legend, but still a lot more work to be done. And I mean, to think that 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 record in all likelihood will go down next season. And um, That's what I thought. But I mean, that's still a lot of wins. 
Well, I, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it's there's there's no one that I mean, Bud Grant, his resume speaks for itself. What he did here, and then of course going down to the National Football League. But uh, nice to take a little bit of pause just to recognize what Mike O'Shea has done. Of course, our Bomber reports on WSD always brought to you by our friends at Princess Auto, where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24 7, 365. And speaking of the Bombers, I got to give a shout out to our pal Joe, Spicy Joe from uh, Consolidated Supply. I saw Joe and Joe Sr. at the game. They were all fired up as things kind of turned around. Of course, the Consolidated Supply team. uh, Many of them at the game, big, big Bomber fans and great supporters of ours and the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, new and used golf carts, and other great options for your property, including hot tubs and great outdoor kitchens, not to mention the leaders in small engine parts and repair. Popeye and see them at the showroom, open to the public, 1395 Nacco Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Hammer, let's quickly get into a little bit of the Jets talk and again, I'm not sure whether you made it out to uh, development camp at all. I mean, again, it's a development I camp. I mean, the, the things happening on the ice in a lot of ways. I mean, this is a chance for young men to get to know the people in the organization, get to know some of their peers challenging for spots um, and give them a bit of a plan going forward from the development folks. But and we've talked a lot about this, some of the issues with the club, not necessarily X's and O's and on the ice but the challenges of the Jets in this market with the way things have gone. And, you know, I know we've talked before that they have been drafting great players. I mean, you can't whiff. You can't take a guy that's not a very good player, but a really good guy. But it really was amazing. And I'm sure you've seen the reports throughout about, you know, just how much this young group of Winnipeg Jets sort of embraced the opportunity to connect with fans and, you know, we've been hearing it nonstop from people. Um, like, these guys are going to have to be able to play, and I think that they will be. But, man, maybe it's just the scouting staff or the guys that made these final calls. Um, a, a great look ahead to maybe a different atmosphere and culture, the word that we've talked so much about. There's a good portion of young guys that really shone this week that, uh, Frankly, I think will be uh, will be huge parts of a very different culture than we've seen over the past number of years. Yeah, for sure. I mean, why wouldn't you be having a good time if you're in your late teens, early twenties, playing pro hockey? You know what I mean? Like you're you're being flown into Winnipeg, uh, you know, wined and dined, shown about the entire, you know really taught about the entire organization, what they believe in. I know if you saw social media photos, you know, Mark Chipman does his presentation. He talks about the values and whatnot of true North and why true North and what is true North and all those things. And I think it's an opportunity to get these guys feeling excited about their, about their futures, which they already should be excited about their future. They're going to be pro hockey players. Does it get, doesn't get much better than that. And so, you know, certainly to see some of the copy coming out of, out of the development camp week, I mean, it's a lot better than, you know, guys going to the mics and saying this was boring, you know? So, you know, great to see some personality. And I, and I agree with you. I think there is, there is definitely, um, you know, there's definitely a need, right. For, for some good vibes after, after what we've, what's been a pretty, you know, pretty, 
I don't know how you describe this summer. There's so many different words. Exactly. <laughs> Tumultuous is a great one, you know, and really the end of last season and, and two years, you know, there was obviously that good, great first half last year that, you know, everything seemed to be right again for fans, but, you know, it hasn't been a great couple of years. And so to see some younger guys, you know, show up this week and talk about how great the city is. I mean, Winnipeggers love to be told how great their city is. They certainly don't like being told how, how crappy it is. So, you know, all those things combined, I think it's a, it's certainly a good sign. I mean, you want to have guys that want to be here. You want to have guys that are excited about the organization or excited about playing for the fans. You know, these are guys that are, their minds haven't been molded yet. They haven't, you know, they haven't become, you know, adjusted to the, you know, almost kind of expecting certain things at certain levels of your career. These guys are new to it. This is all brand new. So to, to have that kind of positive first impression, um, and to just have guys that on the surface, I mean, we don't really know any of these guys. I mean, you can have a gr- couple of great conversations. Sure, there's some, some certainly some personalities in there. But, you know, you want to have guys that want to come in and, and enjoy life, right, and, and enjoy what they're doing, bring some perspective, right? We see a lot of that with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers perspective, um, you know, being grateful for, for their opportunities. We haven't seen a ton of that necessarily with the hockey team. So to just have a couple guys or a few guys there that, you know, are high-end prospects that look like they're going to be the future of the Winnipeg jets in the not so distant future see them having the kind of fun that they're having and and bring that energy i think is a is certainly a welcome thing for this fan base and you know we want to you know i think fans want to move back the city certainly wants to move back to a team that you you enjoy cheering for and a lot of that comes with the personnel and being you know the character you bring on the ice um and not just the skill you bring on it well and and i mean there's a few things to it i mean i think that a maybe more than almost any team i mean the jets needed those sort of um fun, positive vibes around at least the next generation of players that are exciting folks. But I have to admit, and this is a theory, I don't know what you think about this. And I mean, listen, I know a lot of people give a hard time to the continuity that the Winnipeg Jets have had. I'm I'm sure there are some negatives to that, but I think there's also some positives to that. Uh, As long as you react and learn from mistakes that were made. And I said this last week on the show, Jeff, after being out there. I can't help but think that if this was the 2012 development camp instead, or 2023, 2013 instead of 2023, like if we went back 10 years, whether, you know, engaging with the fans as much and being themselves and showing their personalities would have been as welcomed by the organization. And I think that, you know, to be honest, what we've seen happen over particularly the last five years, really sort of post-2018 season, um, I, I think that the organization has learned some lessons the hard way. Um, and I think they've opened it up for, you know, this new generation of players to be themselves. We've seen the incredible positivity around it. And I think with the picks that they made in McGrory, in Barlow, um, obviously they were great players and they were there, but there was a bunch of others where they were selecting. And the reason why they went with these guys, I think, was to combat exactly what we've talking about for a long time. I mean, getting players that embrace being here, that want to be there, that aren't making their fan base think that they're doing them a favor by being Winnipeg Jets and they could be in so many other places. And uh, if that is the case, and I have to admit, I kind of feel that way more and more about the way that they're putting it out there. um, I think that's a good thing. And again, the wait might be a little longer than some people would like, but I can't help but think the... uh, the impact that a McGrory, a Barlow will be able to have in a locker room, but also in 
making the Winnipeg Jets a real likable team again like they were when they first came here in 2011 and was eroded over a number of seasons. I would argue they were a likable team early on this year, this past season. You know, they were, they were you know, winning can do that for you. I mean, they were a team that, that seemed to, 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 to be in it together. And so whether, you know, whether Colby Barlow and Rucker McGrody are the, the future personalities of the locker room or not, I mean, I, I certainly think that, you know, there, there is a transition, if you will, happening. You know, when the Jets came back in 2011, it was protection, right? It was protection mode. It was, you know, let's, let's you know, we, we don't really know what we have in this team. We're certainly not a good team. The last thing we need is that spilling out in the locker room and, and into the city and, and whatever. And so there was, a, there was a real almost kind of disconnect with the club and, and, you know, through the media in particular. But, you know, the media is the outlet for the fans. And so, you know, there certainly was a bit of a protectionist there. And whether this is a, you know, whether this is just a completely, you know, what's the biggest change from now and 10 years ago? The fact they need to sell tickets. So, you know, whether this is a, you know, a byproduct of the need to be a more likable team, to be a sellable team, if you will. Um, well, it's easy to say that. I mean, listen, you're not wrong. You are, you're absolutely not wrong going forward. But I think there also has to be some realization. I mean, why did Blake Wheeler get bought out? Why are they talking about trading Mark Shifley? I mean... This is a lot more than just simple on ice why, performance. Why, why did they never take an opportunity to promote Patrick Line and his stardom? Like I mean, that's what I mean. I, I, that's where I was getting to is that I think it's a I think it's an understanding that you need to be that there is an importance of building that locker room culture. I think that needs to be the lesson that's taken from the last you know X amount of years that you want to bring in people that want to be here. And I'm not saying that the people that are here now didn't want to be in be here before of course they did the, a lot of these players signed long-term contracts which would suggest they wanted to be around but I, I just think it's natural and it's not it's not you know just limited to the Winnipeg Jets it's everybody um, you know it's every team sometimes you just need to turn over your culture you know sometimes you just need to uh, change a scenery it's not just players that need to change a scenery sometimes sometimes entire clubs just need a new identity and you know I think some of the the troubles in that was that the, the Jets worked super hard in those first few years to build this core and then stuck with this core. I think it was a challenging thing for the ownership and, and the you know, leadership of this team to move on from that core that they built. Right. I mean, it takes a lot, especially in Winnipeg where you don't have, you know, you don't have the ability to go out in free agency and, 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 and bid for the, you know, the top three or four free agents. You don't have the, op, you know, you don't have a lot of opportunity to necessarily pick up players in the trade trade deadline players that want to come here, uh, you know, for X amount of months and sign a contract somewhere else. I mean, there obviously have been examples of that here. I'm not saying it's impossible, but, the, you know, we all know the shortcomings that the Winnipeg Jets organizations has. Um, so, you you know, so I think there was a reluctancy to move on from guys that you spent years molding and forming. And so I think you're I think you're right, Huss, whether it was whether it was their decision or it's been the player's decision, you know, to, to move on, to want to move on or to request trades or what what have you. Or if it's the club's decision or if it's both of those things that just come to this reality that we need to be looking towards the future, that, you know, our, our players that we've spent so much time and dedicated our time to in building this core, are not just aging out, you know, some need to move on. Some of the culture has gotten stale. We need some new voices here. We need, we need a new environment here. And while we thank those guys that, that were here before the Blake Wheelers who helped, you know, usher this team into, you know, a pro team for good and bad, um, you know, now it's time for to hand the keys over to the kids, you know, and that's I think that's an exciting part 
of, of hockey organizations. You look at, you know, you look at what you've seen in Toronto, you look at what you've seen in Colorado, you know, you look, look across the league, there's a lot of young teams. The Jets kind of did that in 2015, but made sure that the old, you know, leaders were still there calling the shots. They've never really officially handed it over. And maybe this is the coming of that, where we see a little bit more of a, a youth movement. And, and with a youth movement comes in exciting times. It comes with unpredictable times, which is part of that excitement, um, but certainly comes with a, you know, a fresh, a fresh sense of optimism and, um, and hope really that, that this team is, is headed towards a, a better direction, even though it might take some time to get there. Yeah, no, uh, no doubt. Um, an interesting one from BA here in chat. Doesn't Nate Schmidt show his personality? Team doesn't hold him back. Some guys aren't as outgoing. Put it this way. Why do you think they went and got Nate Schmidt? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I'll say this. If and when Rucker McGordy's a regular on this club and Colby Barlow's a regular on this club, they I, I can almost guarantee they won't be forced into acquiring players like a Nate Schmidt or Matt Hendricks to come in and be dressing room morale guys um, because they'll have guys that are difference makers and impact players that are doing exactly that. And so to mention this team almost killed Nate Schmidt's personality. You know, know, (laughs) he was, you know, that first year, I mean, I wrote a story about it. I mean, he wasn't feeling like Nate Schmidt for a long chunk of that, but again, that winning helps that stuff. But yeah, it certainly starts with the environment and the culture. Um, Just quickly. uh, What did you think of the Debrinkat trade? Um, you know, I mean, Kubelik coming in, a lower of the Detroit or Boston first-round pick. I mean, like, I'll give Dorian credit. He did what he had to do. They gave away that extra first-rounder. They needed to get one back. They took a swing. It didn't work. But, I mean, two reactions from that. One, hmm. I think Kevin Dayoff made out very, very well with the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation, when you consider what the return Ottawa just got for Alex Debrinkat in a relatively similar situation, um, that that's, I mean, that's at the top of the list. And the other, um, like, I don't know what we can take from what Detroit had to give up to Ottawa, but it does make me wonder just what sort of market there is out there for Mark Shifley. Yeah, certainly. I mean, that I think that's an interesting one. I, I think you're right. I think Pierre Dorian did what he could, um, certainly getting a first back. It's some some weird stuff in those conditions with the first because it's, you know, it's not a necessarily a great one when you consider you're trading for, for Detroit, right? So with Detroit. But, you know, I, I think that, look, trades are easy to – judging trades are so easy to do on the surface, and we all do it, right? The initial reaction, what's this trade going to mean? What's it going to lead to? What's it – you know, whatever. We all know Debrinkat wanted out of Ottawa – that, that makes for a tricky situation um, for the team trying to trade the, the player. But, you know, overall, I, I, we'll see what happens here. I mean, it's Kubelik is the main piece there, I guess, with the first. But we'll see, you know, set a new new career high in assists with 25 last year. We'll see what he can what he, what he can bring to the nation's capital, which, which is a tough one, right? I mean, because there's so much positive. For a team that hasn't been able to do much, on the ice, there's a lot of positivity brewing around Ottawa. And while, you know, I, I don't know what Alex Debrinkat's relationship is with the rest of his teammates, but, you know, even if a guy really wants to get out of there and really wants to leave, um, I think it can have a negative effect in, in, in the locker room. So maybe that's just an addition, you know, we'll go with the office, addition by fraction or whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, to me, I think it does kind of set a little bit of a – 
you know, a little bit of a, a market, if you will, uh, for, for Mark Shifley. You think that the Jets could probably get better than that. But at the same time, it's not like Mark Shifley doesn't have his, you know, his dents against them. I mean, those 42 goals were great last year, but, you know, Rick Bonus did not, was not very kind in his commentary for his best players. And Mark Shifley is certainly one of the Jets' best players. How that might affect a future trade, who knows? But uh, looking at that trade, you know, I think if you're a Jets fan, you have to think that, you have to think that something better is coming coming this way if 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 and uh, if a deal actually gets done. To, to well, yeah, and that. that's part of the reason why I'm so interested to see what happens over the course of the rest of this summer. Because I I mean I still do believe that the team would like to make a move, would like to move on, and sort of get closer to the full turnover going into the next couple of years with these young guys coming in and having the room sort of more for Lowry and and um, Josh Morrissey to be the culture carriers, if you will. But, I mean, this isn't – I mean, as much as they did, I mean, suck it up and they're paying $5.5 million to Blake Wheeler to not be in the room and to not be playing here in Winnipeg and to be playing for somebody else. be very difficult for this team to, you know, trade Mark Shifley for 50 cents on the dollar, at least going into the season. And then you wonder how things progress over the course of, you know, the year – but I do imagine that Shifley at some point next year, and maybe it lasts all the way until the trade deadline, you know, will be worth some significant assets. It's kind of funny how big the prices are paid at the deadline, and yet now when you can get a player for the entire year, yeah, everything's everything's so quiet. Well, desperate times calls for desperate desperate measures. You have a better idea of what your team looks like and the, and the, you know, whether that be your injury situation, just you have a better outlook of what your, of this, of your chances, if you will, of winning the Stanley cup in by the trade deadline than you do in September. And so I think that's probably what's affecting a bit of the trade market and why you're right. I mean, it's kind of bananas uh, how quickly teams are to shell out, you know, first round picks, you know, late in the season, but, but are, are hesitant to do that, uh, you know, over the summer. But I also think that, you know, you look at the teams that would be going after Mark Shifley at, at the trade deadline, and they'd be teams that were probably in prime position, you know, at the beginning of the year, you know, probably are, or, or at least are in prime position to have a, a high, not a low draft or, you know, have a you know a draft pick and later in the first round. Um, so that that's also something to consider. But, you know, it'll be interesting because I think Mark Shifley, I think with the Jets and Mark Shifley and the same story with Connor Hellebuck is, and really we've seen this history from Kevin Shoveldayoff from the very beginning is that he doesn't, you know, he's averse to getting, you know, quote unquote, ripped off in trades. Like he, he just won't do it. Like he just won't, he won't pull the trigger if he doesn't feel like he's getting his values worth. And, you know, how much of that attitude will play into those kind of deals and how much of that attitude might play into, you know, whether or not they keep those players. Right. I think, I think when you look at what's ailing the Winnipeg Jets right now, we talk about season tickets, you know, we talk about this new campaign to sell season tickets and, and, and to get more butts in, in the seats. I mean, do you do you really want to trade those those marquee players? That I think a lot of fans are are connected to. I think that's something that Mark Chipman's probably weighing heavily. And and if you if if all of a sudden, well, you know, fans would certainly be upset if you lost Mark Shifley or Connor Hellebuck for nothing. Um, of course, that wouldn't be great. Um, but how much of how much of it would affect the bottom line for this season and pushing for a great cup or great cup, a Stanley Cup? Excuse me, I got CFL in the mind. But how much of you think would be of two bad years if they can put this new team down, remove a guy like Blake Wheeler from the locker room, bring in those forty-two goals, bring those forty-two goals back from that Mark Shifley scored last year, bring in 
you know, that goaltending, that sturdy goaltending that you you, you know you're going to get with Connor Hellebuck and obviously now Laurent Bressois backing him up, maybe allowing him to play less than 60 games this season, um, you know, make sure he's fresh for the playoff. How much of a, a long, if you believe, you truly believe you have a playoff team with these these changes, how much of, you know, what is the benefit of having a deep playoff run if you can get it? Now, I know fans, some fans are going to be rolling their eyes at this, and I'm not saying that's going to happen. But, you know, if you are if you own this team, how much do you, how much benefit do you think it is to go on a deep run, to, you know, to get that good vibe back in, in the city with the hockey team and then maybe make some moves that, you know, that may not have made sense. You know, I'm about those moves. I don't mean trading because you have those guys, those, those two years. Maybe you can sign them to – you know, extensions, maybe you lose them, you know, um, but how valuable would that playoff run be if and when it, it happened? Yeah, I mean, listen, the, the thing is, if you go into that playoff run without extensions, you're almost guaranteed to lose those players for nothing. I mean, for unless sure. you've got something done before that. And I mean, listen, I still err on the side of if the guys aren't going to be with you, I think it's important to trade them for assets that, you know, will help you down the road. Um but I mean, there is a reason why teams trade futures for trade deadline pickups because they're going for it and they want to win. And I guess the season will tell us, you know, where and how realistic any of that is. But I do find it, I mean, to me, it's a very, very different situation. I mean, I think that they, they would like to do the Shifley trade relatively soon, I believe. I, and, I agree with that. I think if the right trade came out, it'd already be done. Yeah, well, it, exactly. Hellebuck is a little different, though, just because of, you know, what we've seen from the goaltending market, the Sorokin extension in New York. And um, the fact of the matter is that I'm not sure that there's that big bag waiting, Connor, in some of the other spots. And maybe, and listen, I'm sure a lot of the guys would like to be playing, you know, south of the border, maybe closer to home, all that stuff. We've heard it before. He already extended here on a six-year deal once. Maybe it's not that long, but if the Winnipeg Jets are the team that is willing to give him the money that he certainly has earned, I don't know, maybe there's a chance that they could at least circle back to give him the security of what that dollar value is going to be and then see at some point if there's a trade. Because I think at that point it works better for the Winnipeg Jets too. They've got him here knowing that they won't lose him for sure and can work on a deal where the Winnipeg Jets are benefiting too and Hellebuck gets the ticket that he believes that he deserves well and maybe that's part of that whole process of keeping you know mark shifley to be a better team to then later convince connor hellebuck of signing extensions a little bit it's a little bit i don't want to say it's definitely possible i mean it's um you know i think that that might be just the added benefit right i mean Look, I think Carter Hellebuck wants to play in the States. I think, you know, having a young family, being from the U.S. has nothing to do with COVID. Um, just, you know, I think there's a preference to be in the U.S., but I but I think what trumps all of that is an opportunity to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, he's he's essentially achieved everything in his career and, you know, in his position that he's wanted to besides winning a Know, winning a Stanley Cup and the, the Jets would need to prove to him that they're capable of winning the Stanley Cup because there's absolutely no chance in the last whatever six weeks two months here that they've been able to do that after his comments about the team and so that would be a, a year-long process I imagine and you're right I mean nobody wants to go out look Connor Hellebuck it would be very shocking to him for him to sign you know, a seven, eight year deal upwards of, you know, nine, nine million dollars a year. That would, that's just, there's so much proof out there that that's just a dumb play. Um, you know, to your point, Hus, could the Jets trim that, you know, that, 
that uh, that term down by a few years and not necessarily keep that price tag by any stretch, but but maybe be the highest bidder. Might that be enough, you know, for Connor Hellebuck to 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 stay in Winnipeg, um, assuming that the rest of of what's going on in, in Jetsland is is to his billing? Um, we'll have to wait and see. But I just I don't know if that's I don't know if that is the primary goal here as much as it is to keep this team competitive. Given the, given the roster that they currently have, um, you want to have a goalie like Connor Hellebuck between the pipes or you want to find another goalie who is probably not as good as Connor Hellebuck but is certainly you know even or better than Laurent Brossois uh, so you can kind of go to that goalie tandem. Because if you're planning to do a retool, you know as much as, as great as Laurent Brossois was able to come in and have this magical small playoff run, you know, injuries still definitely need to be a, a concern for the Winnipeg Jets uh, and goaltending needs to be on point for this team to, to be successful, to, to play the style in which Rick Bonus wants them to play. Um, you know, and, and to, and if they do plan on going on a, on a long Stanley cup run here, um, they're going to need the goaltending. So I think all of that plays into it, but I think it's one step at a time for the Winnipeg Jets, and I don't think that they can be dealing with unless they're willing to open up the, you know, the purse strings to some outlandish contract um, would ne- would necessarily be at this point in time front runners as a as a guy to, to re-sign Connor Hellbuck to an extension. Hammer, great stuff as always. Thanks so much for doing this, and uh, we'll catch up a little later on this week, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, seeing you back out of the stadium real soon. Take it easy, my man. Always a pleasure, my man. I tried to go a little longer with my answers. I'm sure it bothered Thank the you. viewers, but uh, no. you know, I, I hang in there, man. I'm, I know, uh, I know you're pushing through it. Hopefully, you're feeling a lot better by tomorrow. Good job. Man. You, you got it, man. Take it easy. There is our guy Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press. We're talking some sea bears right away. And hey, if you're looking for some new sea bears gear, all those sweet new new era lids are in over at Royal Sports along with tons of great bomber gear, Jets gear, and uh, really the best in merchandise from Major League Baseball and the Jays, the NFL, World Soccer, and, of course, so much more. Soccer, baseball, softball, tennis equipment, disc golf. So playing a little disc golf on the weekend with the WST legend himself in the Gitch. It's a great time. Tons of bikes as well. Pop by and see him for yourself, 750 Pemina Highway. And uh, follow him on Instagram, at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. We've got the Derby, Home Run Derby on tonight. Talk about that in the Cool Bet lines, but uh, looking to get out tonight to watch the All-Star game tomorrow maybe before things get back for CFL and the rest of the schedule coming into the weekend. BP is the place. Schooners, world-famous BP wings, the best pizzas around, and the latest from the BP feature menu. Stay it in, order online, bostonpizza.com. All right, we are going to talk Sea Bears in just a minute. Shout out to the gang at Little Brown Jug, though. Huge weekend at Folk Fest. Lots of Folk Fest loggers were enjoyed. And, of course, you can pick up 1919 at um, the ballpark and at the stadium right now and generic available over at uh, at the um, Shaw Park. Give you more details on our uh, upcoming Gold Eyes Night very soon. All right, let's welcome in. From the Sea Bears, the beast from River East, Chad Posthumous. Chad, what is up, my man? How you guys doing? I'm good. Good. I'll be honest. I'm battling through. A little under the weather right now, but I couldn't take a day off when we knew that Big Bad Chad was coming up. (laughs) Um, Big, big win yesterday, and the team is now just a half game out of first place. 
it's a short season. But um, overall, before we talk about this upcoming homestand, how exciting is it to be a part of this team in its first year in your hometown and to have this team be so competitive all season long, right near the top of the table for the majority of the season? Yeah, no, it's obviously a, a huge opportunity playing basketball here in Canada. And then you just add on top of that, being able to play at home um, in front of your family and friends, home crowd. It's been been great support by by everyone so far. And then to go along with that, having a competitive team, you can't can't ask for more. So we're doing trying to do our job on the court. Fans are doing their job showing up and we want to want to keep putting that together through these next three home games here. Yeah, if you've uh, if you've been missing it, gang. The uh, Seabears now 9-5 and five after their win yesterday. Just a half game back of the Ottawa Blackjacks, who are 10-5. and five, And um, looking very good for a trip to the CEBL semis in the big play-in tournament. Um, be honest with me. It was exciting to come back and be the guy for your hometown team. Exciting new league. Um, but when this season started, how realistic was it? Would it have been in your mind if I told you we'd be talking in the middle of about a July about a team knocking on the door or has been in first place for the majority of the year? I mean, realistically, everybody's goal is to win. A, it should be at least to win a championship, right? Um, and we didn't like to set anything for ourselves in terms of, hey, we're going to come in here and we're going to be a championship contender and win that, right? The, every team wants to say that, but... Realistically, we had a great lineup of guys that uh, Coach Taylor had brought in from the start. Um, just uh, just a good group that fit well together, and, and our goal was game by game, right? One game at a time, and I think I said something along those lines uh, in our first first chat way back in May there, but, uh, but that's kind of been our goal, one game at a time, and that's where we're taking it. And here we are now to uh, put ourselves in a good position, uh, I guess two thirds, three quarters of the way through the season. So it uh, keep taking it one game at a time. We've got three games at home here, so it's a nice little home stretch with uh, with these home fans here in Winnipeg. So we'll go from there. Yeah, just uh, just off the. Uh, I mean, let's quickly talk about yesterday's game. Uh, you know, on the road in Edmonton, a very tight game, tied at halftime, and uh, just finding a way to win in uh, in that target uh, score time. Yeah, is the fact that you guys have been successful early on in these situations, how much is that helping you guys in these tight games like yesterday? Um, it's great, right? Like we've put ourselves in a position in the majority of our games to be going up in the target time. And I think that just with what can happen and how fast the lead can diminish in that time, it's been great that we've given ourselves that cushion or been able to kind of execute and end the game at that point in time. But uh, but yeah, yesterday on the road, any game on the road that you're you're able to be competitive right up until the end and have a have a little lead there is uh, is is good, right? Because you never know what can happen, especially in such a, a close league where you've got teams that are the majority of teams are pretty much five hundred or or even around there. So anybody can win against anybody on any night. Really, there's no hey, we're gonna we're gonna smack these guys around for sure tonight. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about a few of your teammates and what you've learned about them so far through the year. I mean, let's start with Teddy Allen. I mean, Teddy Buckets did not have a great first game. Uh, since then, though, it seemingly he has just been getting better and better. More often than not, the leading scorer, although that wasn't the case yesterday against Edmonton, but uh, he certainly seems to be a real key offensive cog for your squad. Uh, what's it like been playing with him, and uh, what have you seen so far from uh, the man they call Buckets? 
Um, it's really good playing with uh, somebody who's that competitive and on offense and able to kind of put the ball in the hoop at a clip like he does. Um, it makes everyone else's job a lot easier when he's taking all that attention off of off of you, right? He's getting double teamed. They're trying to get the ball out of his hands, so then the ball en- ended up in other guys' hands, which, as you saw yesterday, we had, I think, five or six guys in double-figure scoring, and that's kind of been the way the season's trending as teams have been trying to eliminate him from from being the, the front-runner in offense um, against them, so... Um, it's been it's been been really good playing with him. He's a really good guy, solid player. He's got a got a bright future ahead of him. So keep scoring the way he does, and we'll uh, we'll be hopefully we'll see him in a couple different uh, higher level leagues in the next few years. Uh, another guy that's really been making an impact night in and night out in a bunch of different ways is uh, EJ Anoski. Um, I, I've noticed him more and more through as this season has gone long. Um, because sometimes he'll be scoring a lot. Other times it's playing defense, it's grabbing rebounds. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure from your perspective, I mean, to see teammates that will be able to battle in every aspect, not just trying to get doors on theirs on the score sheet, um, is a big part of building a winning culture and being a first-place team. Yeah, that's that's you mentioned it, winning culture, right? And he's, he's a Swiss Army knife for us. He's six seven, really big body. He can guard the three, the wings. He can guard the power forwards, guard the centers. Um, he's been tremendous on the, on the offensive glass, really good on defense. And, and as you mentioned, starting to score more later as, as the ball is getting more into his hands and away from, from Teddy's a bit more, he's been putting it in more and more, but he has, he has been consistent with that throughout the year for us. And he's been, been doing a great job, as you mentioned, in every aspect. And that's, that's the type of guys that we want on your team and that you want in your, in your program for years to come. Right. You know, not, uh, not only that, but off off the court as well. He's he's a great presence for the community and uh, and all our guys too. So, you know, I, I remember going to the first game, and you know, being familiar with you, being familiar with Simon Hildebrand, but just about everyone else was new. And the guy that I found that I could not keep my eyes off, and he's not even normally a starter, but was the leading scorer yesterday for the team. And that's happened on a couple of occasions is Jelani Watson Gale. Yeah. I'm certainly not blessed with the height of a Chad posthumous, <laughs> but I mean, what a motor on this guy. Um, What have you noticed from him and how impactful, how big of a part of the success has Jelani been coming off the bench more often than not? He's been, he's been phenomenal. Um, Just the way he can put the ball in the hoop and, and kind of knife through those spots at the, at the right points in the game at the right times. Um, He's great. Right. And obviously ending, I think four or five of the games for us in the target score time now have been at his hands. Right. So he's, he's awesome. Really, really glad he's on our team as well, just able to kind of finish like that. But, uh, but yeah, we have seven or eight guys on our team. You mentioned him not starting. He's, he could be a starter on not only our team, but most of the teams in the league, right? Um, if not all of them. It just depends on who we're playing, how we're playing. But having a guy like him off the bench, knowing that hey, we're not, there's no let up. If anything, there's going to be an uptick in what happens is is great. Um, Chad, uh, uh, Simon Hildebrand comes in. He, I mean, he's at a very different stage in his basketball journey as yeah. you are, but a local product. And I remember talking to his coach, Kirby Shep, how excited Kirby was about, you know, him getting the opportunity to be a part of the team. I'm not sure even Kirby, who I'm sure is Simon's biggest fans or one of them would have thought that 
he'd be contributing the way he has at times. I mean, yesterday, 25 minutes, 19 points tied with Anoski for second on the club. Um, what's it been like seeing his growth in his first crack at professional basketball? And what have you learned about the young Manitoba on the squad? I think I think uh, everybody's been not not only surprised but just extremely happy for him and just see how he's transitioned his game right from university into the pro level and he's he plays that position that that stretch four bigger three man that is is hard to guard no matter where you are if you're able to put the ball in the hoop at a position like that um, you're going to be successful at at every level right there's always room for a six, eight guy on your team that can shoot the three at the level he does and can kind of get to the hoop like he does. Um, but he's, he's been great for us. Um, really exciting to see kind of where he brings it reminiscent of a, a Thomas Kennedy sort of player out of Windsor that's been on team Canada for the last number of years and just finally graduated from U sports this last year as player of the year, right? That's, it's kind of what we're expecting for Simon. Um, if, if he does play those five years, right, he might be a kid that transitions early into uh, the professional level and goes on after CBL to play somewhere Europe, um, NBA G League, who knows, right? But, uh, but yeah, really happy he's on our team, really excited for the contributions he's been able to make on the court and just the, ty- the type of guy he is, right? Another, another one of those guys you want on your team and in, uh, in, your, in your city, on your, uh, in your club for just the culture as well, right? Um, Chad, what about the coach, Mike Taylor? We had a great chat with him before things got going. Uh, and, and, you know, for Mike, this was a big challenge. I mean, as great as the coaching part has been, he's turned out to be a pretty good GM in putting this yeah. team together. Um, just fill us in on uh, what he has brought and um, what's it been like playing for him. I and mean, you've played for a lot of great coaches in the past. Yeah, he's uh, he's been great, right? And you 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 put him in that head coach and GM role as well, right? It's a it's a short season. You gotta you gotta have everybody on the same page. Little decisions here and there, and all over the place. It's it's a lot easier when you're the one that's just, hey, this is what we're doing, and this is my vision. And when it all works out, it works out, and it's been working great for us, right? We've had the same, essentially the same roster of guys that we've signed since day one. We haven't brought anyone new in, and you're seeing all these other teams with different rosters every night of the week, almost um, it seems, but, uh, but we've done a great job and him and I had been chatting since well before the season started on who he thought would fit, what were his goals, what was his vision. And he had a, B and C lined up. And for the most part, he was able to get that first pick at the position that he wanted across the board and the guys that he wasn't okay, we're going this way. And here we are, right. We're what 10 and five now with, Five games left going into uh, putting ourselves in a really nine and five, putting ourselves in a really good position for uh, the playoffs coming up here. But he's he's been phenomenal. Just knowledge on the core, European style coach. Um, it's been great to work with, work under and his, his coaching staff as well. Just been uh, just number of guys that are just here. This is our goal. This is what we have in mind. This is what we're doing. And not too much bickering or anything on the side at all, aside from that. Seat bears forward and Captain Chad Posthumous with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, well, you mentioned nine and five, six games left. Four of them are at home, including a three-game homestand that begins on Tuesday. Yep. How much fun have you and the fellows have been uh, playing in front of the uh, best crowds and certainly the best fans so far in the CEBL this year? Yeah, it's been it's been awesome. I know there's there's some other buildings that will say, "Oh, we're sold out too." Yeah, but they're they're only holding five six thousand, right? We hold. 
I think at our capacity in the lower bowl, close to close to 8,000 there. So playing in front of that many fans on every night, every home game has been, been great, but not only that, just the, the energy they bring, right. You could have a, an arena full of, full of duds and sure you're playing in front of 8,000 people, but it's not that fun. We're playing in front of seven, 8,000 people. And it feels like we're playing in front of 30 because of uh, how they are. And they're just the energy in the building on the sidelines, just seeing all the familiar faces, not only friends and family, but just the people who have come back, fans day over day, um, season ticket holders. We we all we see all of you there. We're really excited and happy to to have you there, and it makes makes all the difference, right? Well, it, you know it does. I mean, it is. I mean, really from day one, the atmosphere around these games, and I mean, I didn't know what to expect from the team, but um, I knew that the the entertainment level would be there, and the fans have been bringing it, and that's taken it to a whole nother level, and. You know, tomorrow, huge opportunity for you guys to um, officially get tied for first place with Ottawa with a win over Saskatchewan. Yep. And I'd say it's also a great opportunity for Winnipeg Seabears fans and Winnipeg sports fans to show up and show out and show the entire country what we're building here in Winnipeg as this game is coast-to-coast on TSN. Yeah, nationally televised game. Um, those are always Those are always fun, right? As a player, you like to. It doesn't really. You like to say it doesn't make a difference. But when you're when you're being seen across the country, it's always fun, right? So, yeah, get everybody out there. Bring your bring your friends, brother, sister, mother, whoever. It'll be a, it'll be a great environment, great experience. And as you mentioned, we're going for first place there. So it's uh, it's an exciting opportunity. One of those dates you can circle on the calendar. And we've we've been having a lot of those. Just the position we've put ourselves in this uh, this season here. So it's going to be exciting. Um, and yeah, hope we'll show up. Hopefully the fans all show up. I know they will. Don't need to say hopefully. So it'll be it'll be fun. Seven o'clock tomorrow against Saskatchewan. And then I mean only there's four more home games this season. So if you haven't gotten out to a Seabears game, don't put it off any longer. This is the week to do it. Tomorrow, a nationally televised game against Saskatchewan. Bring on the Manitoba Saskatchewan rivalry in the hoops as well. Uh, and then Friday at home against the Montreal Alliance, a seven o'clock game to kick off the weekend and a Sunday afternoon game next Sunday. So a great chance to bring the kids out. And uh, the sea one Bears thing, week. sorry, that's what we're calling it. Sea Bears week. Shark See? week. This is Sea Bears week. <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah. And uh, as I say, the, now, um, how much are you guys thinking about the potential play in tournament and uh, looking at where you are in the standings right now? Um, I mean, the goal of everything is 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 right is now the position we put ourselves in. It's not day one of the season. It's week eight, week nine. Um, we're wanting to finish first place, and obviously you get that by. But uh, that's that's the goal in mind. But um, we're just going to take it as I mentioned before, one one game at a time, and uh, get a win, get a win, get a win, and go from there. Right. Hey, uh, well, it's great to have the Sea Bears back in town after that road trip, and I know this is going to be a great week. Just on the way out, Chad, I know how excited you were to be coming home, to having this opportunity as being sort of the face of this new team and being the captain. Um, now that you guys are 9-5 and five and you've had a lot of home games to have friends and family come in, has it been even, um, even more than you expected to uh, be a part of what has been uh, such a special year for this team and I think the sport here in the province? Yeah, it's it's good. It's really exciting. Just all the friends and family they've been they've been supporting me forever um, throughout my career. But just finally having them there in front of you and being able to play in front of them um, has been great. And it's an opportunity that right you don't 
I don't know how many years I'll have left of this, three, four, five, who knows, right? Um, but but I think every every game out there that I get to play in front of them is, is special, right? Um, and obviously the fans as well. Just I was I knew how Winnipeg is just with the Jets and the Bombers, and I knew they would they would take us in right away as as kind of the new face for basketball here in the province. So um, it's been great, and uh, I know I keep saying that, but uh, but the fans here are awesome, and we're looking forward to having them out every game, year after year, and uh, and kind of being a part of that culture that we're building here in Winnipeg. Hey, the vibes were high right from day one, but the fact that you guys have won nine of fourteen contests heading into this three game homestand is a big part of it as well. Listen, congratulations on a great Thank season you. so far. Still lots of work to be done. We'll see you tomorrow for a nationally televised game between Winnipeg and Saskatchewan from Canada Life Center and uh, keep it rolling, Chad. We can't wait to see what this team can do come playoff time, but uh, obviously you got to get that X beside your name first. And this week will go a long ways to doing just that. Yes, sir. We'll, we'll see everybody out there tomorrow and we'll, uh, we're going to keep doing our best on the court to make that happen. Right on. Keep it rolling, dude. Thanks so much. There is the beast from river East himself, Chad posthumous with the Winnipeg Sea Bears. Can't wait for that game tomorrow night. And as I said, if you haven't been to one of the games so far, you got to get down there. And uh, three opportunities to do that tonight. Uh, And then one final game at home on Saturday, July 29th. And then I believe it's the Vancouver Bandits that are hosting the uh, season-ending tournament. You'd have to think that with the response that Winnipeg has given the CEBL, it won't be long before that tournament is right here. And if you do host the tournament, you get in it, even if you don't qualify right out of the gate. All right, we're going to get Remus in here in just a second. A big shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Anyone catch anything on the weekend? Let us know in the chat. If you are looking to uh, maybe be guaranteed to work with some guides that'll get you on fish for a world-class fishing experience and an even better hospitality experience, Aikens Lake is the spot. You can find out more at AikensLake.com and, Pay close attention to my socials coming up in about a month because we'll have tons of Aikens content coming out a little bit later on. Uh, Our Breezy Bend Golf Report, I got to give a big shout-out to Sepp Straka, and I got to Barry Horowitz myself for giving him out at 50-1 to in the lock shop last week, my biggest winner of the year. Um, It may have been the John Deere, but uh, that doesn't matter. When you're cashing a 50 to 1 ticket, we'll get to the cool bet lines a little bit later on. Barbasol going on this week. And of course, the Scottish Open as most of the top players in the world head overseas, getting ready for the Open Championship. If you want more information on beautiful Breezy Bend and making it your long term golfing home, give Corey Johnson a call or go to breezybend.ca and find out about getting on the waiting list for next season. And shout out to the Gold Eyes. It hadn't been a good week for the team. Got a big win to finish up their series yesterday. Golf tournament tonight. And then another six games coming up with Cleburne over the course of this uh, next week. So great opportunities to get out to the ballpark. But if you do one game, make it our game. July 26th, Wednesday. Two weeks two weeks Wednesday. Uh, myself, Remus, will be there. Tons of Winnipeg sports talk regulars in the chat. I've already got tickets. Don't hesitate. Again, we I, we never really thought that we might have to actually say well supplies last for the koozies, but the response has been so great with how many of you have bought tickets. Thanks to everyone that's jumped on those so far. Get them now, folks. Uh, WinnipegSportsTalk.com slash store. 15 bucks, as they say, will uh, 
have koozies for everyone as long as we have enough. We'll lock in everyone that's already uh, obviously bought already. And uh, yeah, we'll be sending those tickets out probably on the Monday before the game. Count yourself in, though. Winnipeg Sports Talk. Dot com slash store. Remo, I'm really looking forward to this uh, this Gold Eyes game. It's great response so far. Yeah, been incredible. Yeah, just for the link, it's just WinnipegSportsTalk.com. Has you don't know, there's no slash store. Um, there's a just a thing at the top. WST at Gold Eyes. Click on that, and you can get the tickets. Yeah, I mean, I, I put out everyone's gonna get a koozie, but then I was like, wait, what if like this take really takes off? Like it has. Maybe we run out. Now I don't think that we will, but. Uh, the response has been awesome. So many regulars from chat. I see Jeff Cabellis in there, Isha Boy Bruce. I know those guys just got their tickets, a bunch of others. So uh, this is going to be fun. People are excited. And, yeah, just go to our website, winnipegsportstalk.com. Click WST at Gold Eyes. And you can get your uh, get your tickets. And, oh, yeah, if you want to throw in some extra WST merch, maybe you want this hat I'm wearing now, or, you know, you've been trying at the Marble Race and can't win that hoodie. Um, Promo code FISH, you get 25% off uh, off anything, and I'll bring it to the game, and you can pick it up there. So uh, exciting stuff. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant move by you. Give people an opportunity to get a great deal on Winnipeg Sports Talk merch, and we'll bring it to the game, and you can pick it up there. So yeah, promo code FISH, 25% off for anyone getting a ticket for the game coming up. All right, well, I'm going to wait on golf picks for a couple days before we get in the lock shop on Wednesday after the big win yesterday. Uh, and, of course, we don't have Major League Baseball right now, Remo. However, we do have the upcoming Home Run Derby. Now, is the Derby's tonight? The game's tomorrow? That's is that tonight. right? The Home Run Derby's tonight. Who uh, who you got? J-Rod. Well, it's in Seattle. I like Seattle. That's my team. So I'm on J-Rod. But uh, here... The favorites are Pete Alonso and Guerrero. They've been done it before. I don't know. Randy Rosarina at the bottom isn't, I think, is I, interesting. I was going to bring up Randy. What's his number to win it? Plus 900. Ooh. Not bad. No kidding. I think he was plus 850 originally. I think I may have to do a little sprinkle but yeah, on I, Randy Rosarena. Vladdy, where's Vlad? Oh, Vlad's plus 350. He's getting a lot of run right now. Rodriguez, J-Rod was awesome in that event last year, and he knows the park better than anyone. Yeah, he was great last year in it. And I don't know, but Pete Alonso and Guerrero, I mean, I like how they're bringing in the big boys, Huss. It's not like uh, the dunk contest where it's like up-and-comers. Uh, I mean, Guerrero was the, guy the record. That won the, the guy that won the dunk contest this year was playing in the G League. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> This is a premier event. I mean, Guerrero's got the record for most total homers in the Derby. And I think he, him and Pete, and Pete Alonso's won it before, too. So those are big guys. But I like J-Rod. And if you want to have some fun, Randy Rosuna. Although Adolis Garcia, I'm not too familiar with him. He's had a great season. Yeah, I like Haas. They, got, they do have the odds for what? Most home runs in round one uh, to make the finals and longest home run um so yeah there's plenty of plenty of cool things you can sprinkle on for the derby uh as remus just mentioned home run derby winner alonzo's the favorite over vlad and then j-rod um a number to make it to the finals so essentially a top two mm-hmm. most home runs in round one that remus just mentioned in the longest one there's also player with the highest exit velocity home run yeah 
Vlad is plus 175, the clear favorite for that, uh, as well as most home runs in a home run derby all overall. So um, those numbers will be relatively similar, although it's funny. Vlad is plus 260 for the most home runs, but still behind Pete Alonso to win the whole thing. There's the uh, League of the Home Run Derby winner. There's head-to-head bets. You can name the finalists on both sides if you want. Oh my god! Uh, and then totals like it's well, and it's awesome. Like we've never had this many things to bet on. But frankly, and I keep I, every year I say this, maybe the best and most significant rule change in anything in sports over the last decade to improve something has been the derby. The yeah. derby was absolutely unwatchable before, where they had their own guys and they were just throwing. They'd wait to swing. The minute they moved the simplest thing to the timed, uh, the timed windows. Um, it immediately became amazing. And uh, and now, as you mentioned, we're getting the top players coming into it every year. Yeah, well, they got that big home run derby chain as uh, as the prize. Uh, I think there's a, a cash element as well. Uh, the home run derby's come cool again. And I think, you know, the viewer, in terms of viewership, it's catching up to the actual all-star game. And it's crazy to watch these guys hit bomb after bomb. I think uh, Guerrero hit like 90 home runs. That's a record. I think I saw it was like 91 or something. Uh, crazy and so much stuff that you, that you can bet on here. Will there be a swing off in any matchup? My favorite part has is when they take a break and take a swig of Gatorade. That's the best part of the home run derby. Yes, of course, the Gatorade timeout. They go in. Some of their guys will just put a towel over their yeah, shoulders yeah. for 30 seconds for no reason whatsoever. It's always good. So, uh, anyways, that's up there on the Cool Bet lines. And we do have lines for next week in the CFL. Ticats, three-point favorites in Edmonton. Argos, three-and-a-half-point faves in Montreal. Bombers, nine-and-a-half-point favorites in Ottawa against the Red Blacks. And the Riders, three-point favorites at home against the Calgary Stampeders. We'll... uh, Sure, we'll get to a lock shop tomorrow. Wednesday will be our golf lock shop. Don't miss that one. Another week with a winner given out by uh, myself, Pat, or Dustin. It's been, I think we've gotten three the last four weeks right now. I mean, it's been a great run. Um, so, anyways, check that. Search lock shop bets. Uh, yeah, lock shop bets on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. You'll get all of that and in as well. Just and about, uh, Wimbledon continues too. I was going to say about Ottawa. Has they just announced uh, in the last like half hour Ottawa that Basoli's out with Achilles injury. He's out for the year. Uh, is having sur- ruptured Achilles, having surgery. So he's done for the year again, and that is just really too bad for him. Oh, man, that was so sad. And like I said, when you hear and see the amount of concern and outpouring of support by everybody in the league – you knew it sounded pretty bad, and um, unfortunately, that is the case for Ottawa, but it's a big reason why there's such a massive underdog to the Bombers next week out in Ottawa as the Bombers look to keep on rolling and get to 5-1. and one. Uh, All right, Reno, let's finish up. Let's get, to the, uh, let's get to the track. You got your picks ready for tonight? I got him in. One sec. Let me bring him up here. I'll go quick. I'll give you my... Are you on race one, or do you have picks in, or do you want me to just go through yeah, mine? Yeah, uh, on race one, I have a bet on number two, Sassy Storman to win. Sassy Storman to win. Okay, nice. I don't have race one. Okay. Uh, I got race two. No, I'm not on again until race four. 
Okay, I got race two. I have Daisy's a doozy to win. Horse three. And then race three, I got a triactor box. Two, four, five. Milan, Ohio. Big, big energy. Oh, and Anna Kozana. Nicely done. Nicely done. And then uh, race... Getting over to race four. Yeah. I've got a little triactor box. Mm -hmm. Uh Two of the uh, the top. I'm gonna avoid number f uh, two. Sorry, number three. Great realization. Mm -hmm. I'm taking Terra Tattoo, yeah, which is nine to five. I'm taking Arrogance. Shout out to Rick the Model Martel. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm actually going with you know I'm a sucker for the Wit horses. So Wit Sweet Sixteen One Two oh. Five Triactor Box for uh, for that one. I have Arrogance to win because I thought of you and I know how much you love Rick the Model. Martel. Yes. So I knew you were taking arrogance. So we're both on on that. I need arrogance to win. That's a great name for a, a horse and a what a spray that you spray into the air, right? Do you have anything in race five? No, my next one is race seven. Okay, so race six. I am. I am. I now. I think I told you guys this story. How last week I was at a Canada Day party, and. There was some dudes there, and they were telling me that one of the guys had bought a horse from yeah. one of the other guys, and then it ran and won, and then they turned it over again. Well, that horse is riding again, and that is Ridem. So I've got a place bet on Ridem, and I've got a win bet on Ridem. And I think I might actually add a real long shot exacta box with Ridem and our old favorite club champ and club champ is 25 to one on this one, which makes no sense, but I'm going with ride first or second. And I think I just may take a real swing. I've got two bucks left. So club champ might be in the mix. I've bet on club champ. I thought club champ was good. I was surprised to see 25 to one. I, I, I remember winning with club champ. So it might've, it might've gone. Uh, it might've gone the other way. Uh, I mean, maybe up in, Oh, and bite the bullet bros in on this one too. Yeah, okay. And I bet on I'm pretty sure I bet on and won with in race seven the Comry rule. That's paying thirty to one in this ten horse race in race seven. Maybe I should wow. I don't know. I remember winning with the Comry rule. Didn't it win? Yeah, it won. It got first. Uh a couple weeks last month. So I don't that, know enough about which race is that one? In race seven, the Comrie uh, race seven horse five, the Comrie rule won a month ago. Uh, I had that race, and it says its win percentage is zero point three. So yeah, maybe it got maybe it got lucky that day. I don't know. It's paying thirty to one. I don't know how we can figure that one out. Anyways, for race seven, I did do a bit of a long shot tractor four, six, and nine. So super caro reasonably lovely and governor Ann, and uh those are uh, my picks today what did you have in race seven i am diamond grand to win oh nicely done nicely done um so yeah 7 30 tonight things get going again tomorrow and on wednesday you can give them a phone call at 885 3330 if you want to make a reservation in the dining room and um, otherwise, free parking, free program. It's a great place to spend an evening. And again, don't 
pick our picks, maybe fade our picks, or at least mine, because they've been terrible. That being said, I can't wait to come back on the one day where I finally do hit it big. I hit it big on the golf yesterday. Sep Straka. What a, what a run run that was. But, uh, yeah, it should be good, Reem. Uh, you know, and this is going to be a real fun week. We do have the Bombers on the road, but Goldeye's home all week, and, of course, we got uh, some Seabears games as well. Going to be going back and forth from the downtown rink to the ballpark over the next few days. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, isn't it Goldeye's retro night, too? Is that Wednesday where they're giving away the fanny packs? July 12th, that's correct. Wearing the yes, 30th. that's the uh, the Princess Auto game. And uh, yep. they've got some, yeah, fanny pack giveaway, fireworks after the game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you're thinking about a, a great night to get out to the ballpark this week, that would certainly be that Wednesday. And then join us on the 26th. Really pumped. We've only been talking about this for two days, and we've already had to get more tickets based on uh, what we originally thought. Yeah, well, we just sold two in the last, like, five minutes. Uh, Shout out to Marshall, who just picked up another two tickets. Yeah, Marshall. I see, again, people in chat. Jeff Kabilis just picked one up today. Your boy Bruce on the weekend. So, man, I'm going to have to talk to Andrew be like, hey, uh, we need more tickets here for this event. Don't worry. They'll They'll be pumped about that. They'll be pumped about that. And... You know what else uh, we'll have to do is uh, I'll put out some special invites to maybe a few of our regulars to get them out as well. They want to come in and uh, and, uh, and join us. Um, but either way, it should be, it should be awesome. Uh, just before we go, Reem, got to give a shout out. I mentioned this briefly at the start of the show, but really gutted for uh, Desiree Scott. Um, Desiree is a Winnipeg sporting legend uh, and one of the most impactful athletes we've ever had come out of our city. Uh, Olympic gold medalist, two-time Olympic medalist, World Cup. She's done it all for Team Canada. Has really been a mainstay. I mean, they have a position, the Destroyer, named after her. She hurt her knee, uh, has not been able to play this year, had been rehabbing so hard trying to get back, but not named on Canada's World Cup squad. Did a really nice post on Instagram um, supporting the other girls that will be on the team, but... As as excited as I am for the Women's World Cup, it won't be the same without Des out there. And um, uh, I think we should all just wishing her well. I know how much she was keen on trying to get back in time for this event. And, uh, um, I mean, listen, she's already put herself in uh, every Hall of Fame around when it comes to Manitoba sports, Canadian soccer. Um, but it was... Uh, Really unfortunate to hear that she's not going to be able to play in the tournament and not named to the team. And then anyone, again, I know it's impossible to find to watch, but for anyone that actually was able to do it, what an absolute thriller yesterday between Canada and the USA and the Gold Cup. I got to tell you, Canada soccer, they just cannot get out of their own way um, with the way they've managed our national teams and this deal where no one can see any of these massive matchups, some of the biggest in Canadian history. Hell of a game, though, last night. I mean, went up in extra time, gave up a late equalizer, lost in penalty kicks, and doing it without many of our top players. Um, So shout out to everyone that put on the red and white yesterday down in the United States against uh, against Team USA, who uh, barely survived Canada. Yeah, what a weird situation has with this soccer that nobody can watch. Um, What a great... What a great deal that yeah, was for one soccer. And like, listen, I mean, I get it. They probably made a big investment. This is a country, though, where as much as people play it at a grassroots level and it's huge, 
um, our men's team has never been really relevant until the last couple of years um, and hasn't drawn a lot of people. Maybe that's why Sportsnet and TSN shied away from getting the, uh, the getting the, the things on the air, the games on the air. Um, you know, the women have been incredible champions and done so much over this entire golden era. Um, the fact that it's just on some streaming service that nobody has except for the most hardcore of hardcore soccer fans is an absolute shame and a travesty in some ways because of how beneficial these games and games like last night could have been for getting more people involved. I mean, I kept on telling people last year during the World Cup qualifying, the games that were on Sportsnet to watch it, and lots of people got in and really got into it. Um, that's just not happening right now, and it's an absolute shame. Yeah, and I think, it, look, uh, it's hard for me to blame Soccer Canada if the two sports channels don't want to pay for the rights and some other company offers them a ton of money for it. But those with all these streaming things, you can't you can only have so many of them, and nobody has one soccer, and you're not going to get the casual fan who just wants to tune in and watch the game. So um, I don't know what they do here, but... I mean, you're in a tough spot if uh, the two big the two big guys don't want to give you money uh, for your rights. Yeah, no doubt about that. Well, we'll have lots of time to uh, maybe we'll go to Ottawa. I'd be interested. Maybe we'll get Mendez, one of the guys on the show, to uh, talk about the Senators' trade over the course of uh, the next few days. Um, obviously, if anything happens on the Jets, you'll hear about it first. We'll talk a little bit more about where the Jets stand coming out of this development camp as it pertains to Hellebuck and Shifley. Uh, a little bit of Blue Jays at the All-Star break, and, of course, lots of bomber coverage as they look to go 5-1 and one on the weekend. Should be a great rest of the week, but a fun show to start things off. Yeah, shout out to Running Man in Chet. He's coming now to uh, July 26th at the Gold Eyes. Uh, yes. So Running Man, speaking of hoodies, I believe uh, Running Man won a couple weeks ago. we got to get him hooked up. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be near around me today. I'm a little radioactive, but uh, <laughs> but we'll get that some point soon. We'll get that. And, yeah, I don't uh, know. I we got to go. We, we got to go. You, there's a couple things we can get to tomorrow. Like uh, I, didn't wanna, I don't want to tease them, but uh, it's probably a good time to wrap it up here. Yeah, definitely, folks. Thanks to everyone for uh, hanging with us today. Thanks to Chad Posthumus, Jeff Hamilton, Jamie Thomas. Uh, I think we'll have Mike on the program tomorrow. Looking forward to that. We'll have a little bit more on the Bombers and, of course, Sea Bears tomorrow night. Uh, have a great one. Thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Apologies for uh, my condition at times, but we grinded through. We'll see you tomorrow. Hopefully, I'll be better in shape then, but uh, we couldn't miss a big Monday show on WST. Have a great one, everyone. Thanks for being with us. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.